Happy Friday. You're inside the Friday mix on Coffee in Tow. It's Women's History Month. Today you're only going to hear reggae songs by reggae queens. Taking it nice and easy. Helping you unwind from that work week. Wherever you are in the world, thank you for tuning in. And we should play, I have enough things to say. Hi, let's run away, we can take a vacation. Treasure creation, okay. Hey, we'll go from land to sea. Yeah, this ain't no fantasy, darling. We kicked it off with Naomi Cowan, One True Love. And you heard from Dawn Penn, You Don't Love Me. Now you're listening to Coffee Lonely. Go anywhere you want go. Better come back tomorrow because Coming up we have some Tammy Chin, Etana, Leela Aiki. Keep it locked. Yeah, so would you rather to be lonely? You gotta get to know me, yeah. In the place, dive up in the bins, yeah. Dep on the ends, right? So you and your friends, yeah. All them a chatter say I wapen to them, yeah. All them a chatter say them can't make no friends, yeah. Pull up again, me pick up on this out end, yeah. Buy coconut and go rocky boat them, yeah. All them a chatter we no worry about friends, yeah. Well, I know that we say I wapen to them, yeah. You know I've got the time. 
our way. And now we gon' get to play. It ain't worth denying. Yeah, this was me pre-designed, darling. I don't know what else to say. And this must be our destiny. I know it's hard to trust sometimes, but it's harder to be lonely. Yeah, so would you rather to be lonely? Yeah. To me, no, I mean, like him to see. Okay, I want my day, I day, I like Cliffy B. Yeah, you prefer coffee and I like sexy tea. Uh huh, even though you might blend the tree, me up in the mug, the heart that's like sexy. Weekend. No fuss, no frills. It's a beautiful Friday morning here in South Florida. 66 degrees, bright and sunny. Not too bad. Not sure what the weather is like where you are in the world. But if it is cold, I hope the music will warm your soul. Ten minutes after the top of the hour. Thank you for tuning in. As we celebrate Women's History Month, we do our part by highlighting women. Today we're doing it through music, reggae queens, Came to my rescue 
heart and your love was a key Everybody's gonna try and put us to the test But maybe for you I give my all and nothing less Sweet, sweet love, nothing can keep me from you are in the world thank you so much for logging on to www.qmzradio.com and janoradio.com you are appreciated oh love oh love oh love don't leave me lonely i've been waiting for you baby been longing for your loving all day mm. and if you get the chance i hope you call me baby i'll be working but for you i'll take a break oh yeah because you give that good good feeling real good feeling and it's all over my face oh are able to open your eyes this morning give thanks if you are able to get up out of that bed give thanks if you are able to take a step or two put one foot in front of the other be thankful understand that nothing in this life is guaranteed and nothing is promised so whatever you are able to enjoy and appreciate be grateful for that the voice of Lee Laiki. Dinero. Good morning, Rosolo. Good morning, G Lee. Good morning to everyone logged on and listening online. We're cruising into the weekend. 
taking it real easy. It's the unwind. Just a little girl from the ghetto You're my torrento Stepping at them dancing the clocks And the rest of them You're inside the Friday mix on Coffee and Talk we're gonna go ahead and get started, let you know what you got coming up, what we're gonna be talking about today. Here are the headlines we have for you. Gotta give a good morning, pleasant morning, happy Friday morning. Depending, well, that depends on where you are in the world. For some of you, it's afternoon, for some, it's night. Thank you so much for logging on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. Of course, I gotta say good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Friday, March 3, 2023. Yes, it is. The days are chipping away, folks. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee Into World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. You can follow me on TikTok, Moments With Me Media, on Instagram, Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on Twitter, Me Media Moments. And the mean everything is M-I. And here are the headlines we have coming up for you today, kicking it off in the Caribbean corner. Antigua's economy projected to grow by 9.4%. In 2023, Grenada government fires Labor Commissioner after three months. Wow. Out of Trinidad and Tobago, judge orders community service for teenager caught with assault rifle. A teenager, folks. The IMF approves a U.S. $1.7 billion um, purse for Jamaica. Beaches Ultrarias hosts successful job fair. Uh, Williams condemns student teacher fight at Kemp's Hill High. Constitutional Reform Committee established. Okay. Golding is perplexed by move to grant Canadian companies cannabis import license. Euro-African Slave Trade Alliance an attempt to avoid accountability, says Beckles. And setting the record straight, Europeans violated treaties to start chattel slavery. Out of Latin America, Argentina to renew push for sovereignty over Falkland Islands. On the international scene, anger boils over train crash in Greece as audio released of driver being told to ignore red light. G20 talks end in India without consensus on Ukraine war. And two Americans arrested for allegedly sending aviation technology to Russia. Oh boy. Mm. All right. Macron says era of French interference in Africa is over. Okay. Stories out of North America. Poli- uh, man fatally shot a three-year-old, his three-year-old son and himself inside a Coconut Grove, Florida condo. Jury quickly finds Murdoff, or Murdoff, however you pronounce it, guilty of murder of wife and son. A Maryland mayor has been arrested on more than... Not one, not two, not three, not even ten. Fifty counts of child pornography. These Texas DAs refused to prosecute abortion and Republican lawmakers want them stopped. In business and tech news, Canada, Canada, Canada. Nordstrom says it will be closing 2,500 of its stores. And Ford, okay, listen to this one, folks. So for all of you, better stay on top of your car payments because Ford applies for patent 
allowing vehicles to self-repossess. All right, then. And ExxonMobil has been sued by a black employee who allegedly discovered a noose at work and says it's the fifth time at that facility. In health and science news, FDA has new leverage over companies looking for a quicker drug approval. Who wants to live at sea? <laughs> I wouldn't mind it, you know, when I think about it. Uh, we're going to talk about six indispensable items invented by women as we honor Women's History Month. And believe it or not, news, a woman accused of selling meth from an ice cream truck. Was she watching, um, what's that movie, that Ice Cube and Chris Tucker, Friday? You know, and Big Perm rolling through with that ice cream truck. She was probably watching that. And the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are, have been asked to vacate UK home from a cottage. Yes, they will have to vacate the premises. They can't stay there any longer. <laughs> They've been kicked out, evicted. I'm sorry, why am I saying it like that? Let me behave myself. We're going to return with the details of these stories and more right after the break. Here is, uh, let me, oops, hold on. Here is Navy singing. Hatra. Shy guy, shy guy. Shy guy, shy guy. Eat a toad. Seek a toad. Old, new tune, we are really told. Get rid of doubt. Hesitation, make me wash it out. Fill me out. Dial up my number and I ring it out. Cause I wanna know what you mean. Shy guy. I know that it's complicated. Shy guy. Now I And you know, say you what? Give me all the detention in your steady move, ma. How you mean fit tell me you are shy guy, shy guy. When you look the way you do, confidence I drip from your top to your shoe. That's all the demand them come me only want you. How you mean fit tell me you are shy guy, shy guy. Miss the live it out. That's a struggle you believe with out. Screen it out. Black look up and I feel it out Can't miss it the doubt Careful it's a go run your own Directional runabout Better you feel ready for you done it out Cause I wanna know what you mean Shy guy I know that it's complicated Do me a favor folks, wherever you are Give yourself a pat on the back, just do that or you can wrap your arms around yourselves, hug yourselves, tell yourselves you love yourselves. The voice of Elaine, deeper. Without you. Without you. It's all reggae queens today as we celebrate Women's History Month. I 
gotta pull this one back up from the top. One of my favorite songs from Elaine. is telling you to hold on tight and enjoy the ride while tanya stevens wants to know can you handle the ride come on through tanya <laughs> 25 after the top of the hour you got somewhere to be at the bottom of the hour you know you got five minutes to get there <laughs> Tell your friend them you're wicked and brutal But now you end up in a hospital Talk about too much, girl, you kill You never stop till you write your own will Now you are gonna doctor for pill You should have you with me till you fit Till you could not handle the ride See, they know you're gone from the broadside Hold on your head from me, you are hide Hit the curb and all a slip and a slide I'm a me tell you, say you shouldn't mess with this filly Cause anything cross me born or me kill it But you never want to listen to me warning You couldn't even budge in the morning Pond the street in my boots so him dread Pond the works and drop down dead Him gonna humble the ride It's better to move in silence, folks Don't pick up your chest Don't flop yourself you never yet hear your girl complain, so you're not humble the ride. See, they know 
them gone from the roadside Hold on your head from me, you Hit the curb and all a slip on a slide Here comes a reminder from Marcia Griffiths No matter what's going on in your life, folks Lift up your voices and sing Gotta give a big thank you to everyone logged on and listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com, and everyone listening on JohnNoRadio.com. Also, good morning to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. This is where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. 
You can follow me on Twitter at me media moments on Instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on TikTok moments with me media. And now it's time for us to get into the details of the stories we have for you today. And we are kicking it off in the Caribbean corner. First up, we head on over to Antigua. Antigua's economy projected to grow by 9.4% in 2023. Story courtesy of Caribbean.LoopNews.com. The Eastern Caribbean Central Bank has forecast that Antigua and Barbuda will see a 9.4% increase in gross domestic product GDP this year. In 2022, Antigua and Barbuda is said to have experienced an impressive 8.5% rate of growth, the average rate of growth for the three-year period since the severe blows that were received from the COVID-19 pandemic will be an unprecedented 8.2%. And that's according to Prime Minister Gaston Brown when he made his budget speech on Thursday. He noted that uh, the performance was achieved notwithstanding the closure of Jolly Beach, Halicyon, or Halicyon, not sure how you pronounce it, and Sugar Ridge Hotels for most of the three-year period. And to further show how, how much the country's fiscal position was further improved, Brown shared preliminary data for the end of 2022. Good job, Antigua. Let's hop on over to Grenada. Grenada government fires Labor Commissioner after three months. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. Wow. Are they trying to give the UK a run for their money? I don't know. After three and a half months on the job, and I'm hearing an echoing. I hope you're not hearing it as well, folks, but something is echoing on my end. Okay, I think I fixed it. All right. So after three and a half months on the job, the first woman to serve as labor commissioner has been fired because she did not work out to be a good fit with the staff at the Ministry of Labor. Labor Minister Senator Claudette Joseph told a press conference that the Public Service Commission terminated the two-year contract of Valerie Thomas, who began serving in the post from November 12, 2022. Upon review of the state of the relationship as requested by the Public Service Commission, it was decided by the Commission and the Ministry that it will be best for us to go back to the drawing board in our search for a Labour Commissioner that fits with the personnel. She did not say what triggered the review. Joseph, who is also Attorney General, said Thomas also did not fit in with the Deacon Mitchell administration's general outlook as it seeks to take steps to improve the labor climate in Grenada for workers, employers, and the members of staff at the labor ministry who are delivering on the services to stakeholders. In the meantime, Deputy Labor Commissioner Sparkle Greenridge Courtney will perform the functions of Labor Commissioner in accordance with the Employment Act. Thomas was in the middle of her probationary period when she was fired with immediate effect. And that happened on February 28. Based on her contract with the government, she will receive one month's pay in lieu of notice. Hmm. A news release issued by the Government Information Service to announce her appointment said her professional career includes employment with one of the largest trade unions in Trinidad and Tobago and highlights a sterling record of success before the industrial courts. 
Thomas also has experience in the Grenada Public Service, having worked for more than 17 years in general administration and human resource development. So with that track record, it's going to lead me to question the motives of the group that wanted to get rid of her. Could it be that they wanted someone there that they liked? They thought that her um, approach was probably a too um, strict. Is that the right word? I don't even know. Um, she was probably getting everybody in shape, in line. And a lot of times we don't like that, right? We don't like to be told what to do. Sometimes we're, when new leadership steps in and um, they are at the opposite end of the spectrum, meaning that their methods are different from what you're accustomed to, we, we tend to take um, put up a defense, right? Instead of giving the person an opportunity or... Um, trying to understand their method as well as look at their history and how they have been successful you know so there is more to it um she was in the middle of her probationary period they didn't even allow her to complete her probationary period not sure why could it be a matter that they made they had conversations with her and she was not in agreement. She wanted them to allow her to do things the way she is because they hired her based on what she said in her interview, her track record. Hmm. So let's see. Will we wait for more information? Okay, Grenada. Three months. All right. Our, oh, excuse me. Our next story takes us down to Trinidad and Tobago. Judge orders community service for a teen that was caught with an assault rifle. Story courtesy of tt.loopnews.com. A 17-year-old who surrendered an AR rifle to police in 2021 has been fined $16,000 by an Arima magistrate. The matter came to a close on Wednesday before Magistrate Bram Bahan or Bram Hannon Dubay at the Arima Magistrate's Court. You know what I'm going to stop doing? Since I'm here, um rambling over words i'm gonna stop calling names and just stick to the titles if the name is one that you know seems reasonable i'll make my attempt yeah i'm gonna stop biting up my tongue i don't know why i'm punishing myself anyway magistrate dubay at the arima magistrate's court the teenager was represented by attorney shervon noriega the teenager pleaded guilty to the offense and after submissions from his attorney was fined $10,000 for possession of the firearm and $6,000 for possession of ammunition. The attorney asked the court to consider leniency and a non-custodial sentence by submitting that his client was remorseful, had surrendered the weapon to police when they arrived at his home in La Jorqueta in April 2021, and the fact that the weapon had never been used nor had the teen been involved in any other criminal activities prior to the incident. It was even noted that he had been training with a national football team prior to his arrest. Dubay considered the submissions and noted that a conviction for possession of such a weapon could see convicted persons sentenced up to four years of hard labor. And while he exercised leniency due to the aforementioned mitigating factors and fined the accused, 
He also issued a strong warning to the teenager and to persons throughout the country about the possession of such weapons. All right. I hope he learned his lesson. Morning, Teflon. Morning, moments. Moment, everyone. <laughs> Did I say moment? Morning, everyone. <laughs> Listen, you're ready for your 12-hour shift? That's all I want to know. You ready for your 12 hours? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. You're well-rested because yeah. you can't fall asleep now. Yeah, yeah, I'm well rested. Okay, all right. Yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. I think I think that that judgment was was okay because he 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 hadn't used it, and it's probably his first offence. Mm -hmm. And I don't think in this case, I don't think it um, custodial sentence is always is always the um, is always the answer. So I think um, yeah, I think it was all right. Reasonable. And, uh, yeah, it was reasonable and. The judge gave him a, um, a stern warning. Um, he paid a fine. He was remorseful. So I think it's fair. I think it's, uh, it's fair. Never used it, you know. So, yes. um, and and plus a, a lot, um, a lot of these countries or states, they um, they do the amnesty thing where they encourage um, people to hand in weapons and and not not get um, um, penalized. Yes. So I think this is kind of this is kind of like what it is, like one well, of those amnesties because they did one in London um, five years ago. Oh, and how so was they, that? They, how did that work out? Was it successful? Um, I don't think I don't think it was hundred percent successful because they did get a lot of things handed in, but it wasn't a lot. But they did get a lot of um, there was more knives than guns. Uh, I believe there was there's still more uh, more weapons on the road than. What was handed, but I think um, I think it kind of worked, you know, because I think even if even if they got one off the street, that that one could make a difference, you know. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Thank you, Teflon. Appreciate. And I'm yeah. And I'm, I just I just booked Trinidad uh, three weeks in Trinidad in May, so I'm looking forward to that. I just hope I don't encounter any assault rifles whilst I'm out there. <laughs> <laughs> Three weeks in Trinidad. Wow. You, you, yeah, have, so, you have family there? No, I don't. I've got, um, I've made a couple of friends over there. Okay. So, yeah, the first week, um, stay at a hotel, and then I'm going to see if I can hustle a free yard. Initially, I booked seven days. Right. But, but when I looked at the return days, I saw a really cheap return day on um on the third week it was uh -huh. actually 200 pounds cheaper so i thought why not <laughs> yes, i don't I blame you i don't blame you yeah. you know are you gonna try to do some island hopping while you're at it like go to um other islands close by probably i'll just go to tobago tobago to okay tobago. yeah that's it yeah all right well i haven't got the money i haven't got the money to island hops so i'll just go to uh, tobago wow Wow. Okay, Geely says that Tobago is underrated, so she's encouraging you to go. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I haven't yeah, I'll been. Definitely, I'll definitely check it out. I think it's a twenty-minute. It says a twenty-minute flight. So yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely um, check it out. That's not bad. Yeah. So, oh, Sonette says I love it too, and you'll find good places to stay. Um, yeah, hopefully um, Sunet can hook me up with some connects where I can stay. <laughs> but yeah. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm, I'm getting mixed reviews. Some people are saying that 
um, Tobago is very touristy and you should avoid it. Said so it's not really like it's not. It's just full of like foreign people there. Mm. So yeah, that's that's what I'm going. Well, you know, I found some... a lot of Canadians there, and and um, there were a bunch of Canadians in um, in Tobago, but I didn't. I we still found that it was calm and relaxing and not as um, as busy as the city of of, of Trinidad. Ah. Okay. Thanks for that, Snake. And Rosolo also um, has been to Trinidad, plus she has family there. She should be able to tell you, I'm, I'm sure, when she's able to come off mic, um, give you her perspective of Trinidad. Never been. Got family there, but I've never been there. Yeah. <laughs> One day. When I when I sober, when I'm drunk. You know, I can't be yeah, sober I'll, for that flight. Yeah, I'll, definitely, I'm drunk. I'll, definitely, I'll definitely try some doubles. I keep hearing about doubles, but yeah, I'll doubles. try it out. Oh, absolutely. Doubles. Tobago, you have shark, to go. Shark and bake. Bacon shark. Bacon shark. Mm-hmm. At Maracas Bay. Forget anywhere else. Only get it at the beach at Maracas Bay. Write that down, Teflon. What's the oh, told have... you? He's got I'll make months. notes. <laughs> not... we'll, we'll, we'll talk again before your May trip. Oh, yes, sure. I'll, we'll yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely speak to you finally. Yeah. yeah. So bake, folks, is the Eastern Caribbean version of our fried dumpling in Jamaica. It's the same way to make it. You just roll it out flat and fry. So it looks like a big cartwheel. And then when you fry it, I, I've made it before and the kids love it. I cut it open and I stuff it with um Akian saltfish for them or callaloo and saltfish. What what do they call callaloo in the Eastern Caribbean islands? Is it the same callaloo? They don't use it. We the Kalulu in Trinidad is a completely different dish. It's not the same vegetable. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. So they don't put. They don't have. They don't use Kalulu. They would probably call it baji. Any sort of stewed down um, green vegetables called baji. Ah. But it's not big. That you put baji on um, in a roti. But I've never had baji on doubles or on bacon shark. Mm, okay. See, we're learning about the cultures. Oh gosh, you know what? No. Somebody win the lotto, please, so that we can all just go as a group from island to island. <laughs> You're always making mamas hungry. Listen, my mouth is literally... Hold on, I got to swallow my mouth. It's filled with water. you don't need to stop it. You're funny. Oh, I'm a foodie. I am a foodie. I love food. I'm sorry. I love food, so I can't help it. So, Geely, of course, is saying, yes, please eat some doubles. And, and in reference to uh, bake, um, it's called Bake in St. Lucia and Dominica too, and Johnny Cake in the U.S. Virgin Islands. All right. So thank you, Julie. Oh, my gosh. Y'all are wrong for that. Wrong, wrong, wrong for that. Okay. Okay. Let me get myself back together. <laughs> we got to hop on over to Jamaica. The IMF. Okay. Why is this not opening up for me? The IMF. The, okay. IMF has approved the U.S. $1.7 billion for Jamaica. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. The International Monetary Fund, IMF, on Thursday announced that its executive board has approved a total of U.S. $1.7 billion for, for Jamaica, the majority of which will provide insurance against, against risks from higher commodity prices, a global slowdown, tighter than envisaged global financial conditions, and new COVID outbreaks. Okay, hold on a sec. New? So, (laughs) remember, was it last week or two weeks ago I said, another pandemic is coming, so they're preempted. They're warning us, folks. 
new COVID outbreaks. Yeah. A statement from the Washington-based financial institution said about 968 million U.S. dollars had been approved for a 24-month program under the Precautionary and Liquidity Line (PLL) arrangement. The other 764 million U.S. dollars has been approved under the newly created Resilience and Sustainability Facility to strengthen physical and fiscal resilience to climate change advance decarbonization of the economy and manage transition risks so i want to pause there for one second and focus just a little bit on the decarbonization of the economy and what exactly does that mean and how what plan does jamaica have to get that going so efficient according to google efficient decarbonization of the economy means achieving it at the lowest cost possible using the most competitive alternatives in each end use. The decarbonization of the economy requires massive electrification in the short term. Okay, what is meant by that? Good question, because I'm still baffled. I don't speak that language. Let's see if we can break it down. Decarbonization is the process of reducing the amount of carbon mainly carbon dioxide, CO2, sent into the atmosphere. Its objective is to achieve a low-emission global economy to attain climate neutrality via the energy transition. So, for example, when I lived in Atlanta, they used to do it in Florida. They cut it out years ago. But you you have to take your vehicle in Georgia to get an emission test. If it failed the emission test, they were not going to renew your registration. All right, so I'm just trying to bring it home for those of us like myself who are a little on the other side of not understanding or speaking the language, so making it um, understandable. I'm at a loss for words this morning. So, yeah, so in, if that's the case, Jamaica then, I am going to strongly recommend that they put in place an emissions control system where because trust me all them minibus and truck you ever driving behind them and the smoke are gonna kill you and you're like <coughs> yeah so i think that would be a good way to utilize the funds if you are going to try to attack decarbonization all right so jamaica listen up energy minister that is one method and i'm sure we also have to hold the industrial um companies responsible too what measures are they going to take to see to it that they're releasing less emission into the atmosphere all right now i know it's going to be a change for jamaicans if the government decides to go along with an emission testing system for vehicles, a lot of people, you know, when I like change, look at what happened with the tra- ticket, um, the traffic ticket issue and the, the traffic laws, right? So we're, it, it's going to be hard to make an adjustment, but it's an adjustment worth making because we have to understand whatever goes up in the atmosphere affects our forestry and affects our water all right so we have to look at a big picture okay and have you seen those um 
videos on social media of people dining in the rivers you know yeah people have set up their restaurants in rivers and people sit in the river beds and they're eating and having fun so we want to protect that take care of it and this is one way all right so uh jamaica i will go ahead Sonette. go right what was the country one of her countries recently in the caribbean just got their it was like early this week they got their nitrous oxide less emitting boats that's that's a plan to lower the carbon footprint of that island i forgot which one say it that was. again explain that to me again they got what's the term what's the process there was a they got a um a ferry that was lower emission it had less Diana. nitrous oxide exactly so that's a move to do that same thing i don't think it was, tr- was it no trinidad? it wasn't Ghana. i think it was trinidad oh no maybe it was trinidad because that's one of the boats i was talking about um um the teflon you take a boat to go from trinidad to the bagel it takes about an hour and it, it lets a lot of um smoke and stuff out but if they've, they've got a new boat was it trinidad yeah it is trinidad i went back to the story tnt's first yes. low exhaust tug arrives in the country See? yep there's what you're talking about. That's just to put a, a, a boat or an item with what you're mentioning, the carbon mm-hmm. neutral. That's that's a step that they made in Trinidad. Awesome. So and- if they what Jamaica could do too, like you mentioned the the um the minivans, they also have to just make sure people don't have broken mufflers driving around in the in, yes. the, in the you know, in the island. So that's that's a step. Just want to give an actual item to make you bring that full circle right thank you sonette thank you yeah and i think all the islands all the caribbean islands should you know try to pursue that route you know let's preserve we can't control the world but at least we can control what the little we can do and hope everybody um catches on because it's so important awesome 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 all right next up Beaches Ocherius hosts a successful job fair. Story courtesy of JamaicaObserver.com. With the increase in career opportunities within the hospitality industry, the Beaches Ocherius Resort, the family-inclusive oasis, was abuzz with activities recently as more than 800 prospective employees turned out for the recent job fair in St. Mary. The applicants who journeyed from as far away as Clarendon came prepared to show the interviewing panel that they were the perfect fit for the resort. Hotel manager John Miles was the first to encourage the applicants and put them at ease as he shared the value-added components of being employed to Beaches Ocherias. He said, being a part of this team is an opportunity. I'm still thinking about food and my mouth is still watering up sorry being a part of this team is an opportunity that you and your family will benefit from tremendously we are with you throughout your entire employment journey as we are committed to not only hire but provide inspiration and allow you to grow and develop to your full potential not only do we provide competitive salaries and health benefits we are committed to our team members training and development and a beneficial work environment. So I hope it worked out for many people because I know people are looking for jobs. Tourism is one of our major products and we want to make sure we continue to sell it very well. All right, next up, Williams condemns a student-teacher fight that happened at Kemp's Hill High. 
Oh my gosh, this is just ridiculous. The Minister of Education and Youth, Favel Williams, has condemned as totally unacceptable a violent confrontation between a student and teacher at Kemp's Hill High School in Clarendon. The fight, which first surfaced on video on Wednesday, has since gone viral on social media. I am again urging all teachers and students to use peaceful means to resolve disputes. Teachers have to utilize their training in dispute resolution to diffuse tension, especially in situations where tempers flare and potentially threaten to explode into violent actions. The minister is also making a call for parents to encourage their children to always show respect for teachers. There is no place in our schools for students to be fighting teachers. Williams is urging teachers, students, and all education stakeholders to avail themselves of the numerous training opportunities in dispute resolution, which are being spearheaded by the Ministry of Justice and the Ministry of Education and Youth in partnership with other organizations in the education sector. Violence cannot be a default position in our education system and our society. And neither should we normalize it. We must condemn violence in all of its forms in our schools, the minister said. But what I'm noticing is that she's not making mention that there needs to be a conflict resolution course as part of the curriculum. Because we're hearing too many stories recently of altercations, whether it's between students, stu the student body, whether it's among the student body or between students and the authorities, the administrative staff. We are, okay, I agree that teachers and those who work in the education, field of education, need to take advantage of the training opportunities as it relates to dispute resolution. But what are we going to do about the children? How are we going to teach them or reach them, get through to them, that violence is not the way, that respect begets respect. We can't just focus on the teachers alone. We have to focus on the students as, as well, also the parents. We, we, we have to. Uh, let me see if I can um, find the video because I haven't watched the video. I just saw the still photo. Uh, I know I hope it is not too disturbing. Let me see if I can hear it. Hey guys, we are giving we out a ton it. of these DeWalt samples today. Just fill out our quick two Okay, skip the ad. <laughs> <laughs> Disturbing. I'm going to pin the link at the top of the page for my folks on Clubhouse. Please take a look at it and, and let me know your thoughts. Um, truly disturbing. Let me know your thoughts because sometimes you have to watch something a couple of times before you can really see. I'm trying to figure out who started it. Of think, course, son? it doesn't matter who started it. It should never have started in the first place. 
um, okay, let me go through. So the teacher, so I'm not sure what transpired before because we're only seeing one video, but the, in this particular video, I'm seeing the teacher reaching out to the student first. I hope there are more videos because I'd love to see it from start to finish exactly what transpired. Okay, the, the student is now up in the teacher's face. The teacher turns his back, walks away, and the student goes back up on him again. So the teacher turns around, pushes him off. And now they are on the ground. <sighs> okay, so Rosola is saying the student initiated it and kept instigating. Yeah. Um, and it looked like they were all ready for him. There are several students there. Somebody else jumped in. I saw another big student jump in. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I hear what you're saying, but I think give. When you said they had the option of getting de-escalation from, um, from the school and from the justice system, my first thought is, like, why is the justice system even involved? But maybe that's the route that should happen. It shouldn't. I don't know if they should be teaching conflict resolution in school. I, it, it, just, it just feels like it's, it's, like it's a line. You start teaching that kind of stuff in school, it's like you're saying you all are, are heading in a bad direction, but maybe I'm wrong. And, and then I, and I can stand, I can step back and say, you know what, do what you have to do to get these children in line. But it happened in my school when I was, when I was in high school. Some kids, you know, they went out of hand. They, everything fixed up and they got themselves back together, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, a weekly, we weren't seeing things, students fighting teachers all the time. They got into each other, into things with each other, but this is a new trend and they're, they're recording it for, for social media likes, I think. So I don't know if, um, I don't know. They, they all need to, to be looked after. And I, I guess if, if it's available in the, with the justice department and for teachers with the education, then that should be good. And I hope they take advantage of it. I'm done for now. Thank you. Thank you, um, Sunet. We shouldn't have to be teaching conflict resolution or um, dispute resolution. Shouldn't have to. But I am noticing that there is so much violence with young people. Everybody want to fight. Everybody's angry. Everybody's angry. And right now we can, I'm thinking, and I may be wrong too, but I'm thinking that we can't just put the responsibility on the teachers alone. Because a teacher can go through dispute resolution, display all the steps to de-escalate, but then you will have a student who is still going to push and possibly take the first hit. And what is human nature? Hit me, mega hit your back. You know, so these these students behaving like adults. Go ahead, Chief. Go right ahead. Good, Grand Rising, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. Yes. This uh, I, I really sympathize uh, with today's teachers. You know, and and I've done a lot of volunteer work in schools, and this whole dynamic, this 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 fighting teachers dynamic, this is. This is caused by the gap between parents 
and teachers, right? The, it's like there was a time when teachers and parents were having an alliance. You knew you couldn't cut up in school, right? Because your, your teachers and your parents had a relationship. You know, now it's it, it's almost discouraged in a lot of schools, you know, where you, you can't, you don't have that type of relationship. And you have a lot of parents now today who have this real dysfunctional idea about the role of teachers. And it's almost like they're forfeiting their own responsibility. Not like they are. There are a lot of teachers, parents who are forfeiting their parental responsibilities to the child. You know, and then once the child gets into it, they think <laughs> with the teacher, they think, you know, it's like an inconvenience to them. Like you're disturbing me at work. Well, your child is disturbing me at work and I can't even teach these children. You know, and it's and and, to, and for when I when I looked at that video, honestly, I thought about it's so necessary to have male teachers in this classroom, and 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 you can see how that's how it plays out. Like, you know, it, it actually made me think about the conversation about Dion yesterday, and that that psycho that psychology of how Dion Sanders when he was talking about the psychology of his how he chooses what position players go in because he understands the psychological dynamic dynamic with aggression and to see how that, you know, like if you, if you're beating up a male teacher, I can tell you from a male's perspective, it's, it's a whole bunch of anger going on. Mm -hmm. Then you have the instigation, like Sunette was saying, you have that instigation with the children. That's really just that peer pressure ego thing. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to respond now. Cause all your all your peers are looking at you. You don't you don't cross the line already. Mm -hmm. You might as well finish the job, even if you got to get beat up or arrested, whatever. You know, and it's unfortunate. And then you know you got that social media thing, and he knows everybody's watching with their cameras. So even if that's not his intention, he got to play it out now. And it's really unfortunate. I'm I'm I, I'm grateful for your comment, Chief, and I'm I am grateful that you're able to tie it back to what Dion Sanders was saying yesterday. We didn't want to hear it. We were upset about it, but there is some truth to what he's saying. There is a correlation. So what are we going to do about it? Bring back the old system where the kids used to get. You, you get licks if you, if you slip out you get licks you should bring it back what do you guys think now I could say yes to that but at the same time I'm going to say no there has to be another medium because we don't know the degree to which one might go to discipline this child who who is not yours what if they end up um, leaving scars you know, so what is the middle ground? Go ahead, I mean, Teflon. There was there was no issues back in the days when I was growing up. <laughs> Me neither. I used to get my ass tore up. There, there was no there was no marks or nothing, but it worked. We we turned out right. Me mm -hmm. and my friends, right. So, but I think with with the with this new new age of um, human rights and all these laws is, yes it, i know it's going to be impossible people are very touchy and there's a lot of snowflakes but i just i just think that <laughs> if if we if we did still have that system yeah we wouldn't ha be having these conversations hmm. 
And then you know what's going to happen to Teflon? People are going to be like, because right now slavery is such a hot topic around the world. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, we may not want to think that one. Go ahead, Chief. Go right ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, if there had not been a gap in time, there, that would be a very feasible means. That would be the most... That would be the most productive means. But the difference between school then and school now is, again, the parent-teacher relationship where a parent was like, hey, if my child cuts up, you know what you need to do. But that they, And we had teachers from our own communities, people who understood who we are, right, and, 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 the, and the things we do. And what, what, you know, just the threat of getting paddled was plenty. Right. right. It's not like everybody in the classroom got paddled. You knew there were specific students who were going to get paddled. That's not that's not even a, a fourth of the classroom. It's not even a third of the classroom. You know, what I'm saying it was extremely rare that somebody had to get paddled. But it's, it's the idea that you had this measure, this relationship, community relationship where you understood parents and teachers had a relationship and said, listen, these children are the village. The one child you let get out of hand becomes a menace to the whole classroom, mm -hmm. right? So you had you we had, we had a we had a good understanding. You know we don't have that now. The moment they said the government stepped in and said your children can report you to the police or or you know all these other things that can that can come up. Not to say that is an abuse, but there there were a lot of parents who were arrested who understood those principles, who lived by those you know that 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 dynamic, and it worked for them. Mm -hmm. Like Teflon just said. This is a system that worked for us, right. right? We produce more productive students than we ever had, but it's just—it's just—it's a different dynamic now, and people—people people view certain forms of uh, discipline in a much more sensitive way now. Right. Thank you. Go ahead, Fabian. Go right ahead. Yeah. Good morning. 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 I have a different point of view. Uh, I think it's so easy to. Um, question what kind of discipline the child has had or has not had. I just want to tell you real quick, I was in on a Bible meeting a couple months ago, and uh, we're getting the wrap-up, and uh, one of the participants was a school teacher right down here in uh, Broward County, mm -hmm. and she was talking about how one of her children, she works at a predominantly black uh, middle school, was acting up, and uh, they had to call the uh, security guard, and then in turn they called the school police, I guess. And um, actually, two children, so I guess they hauled them off to wherever. And I think this is, was exactly an example of what we have this uh, school-to-prison pipeline now. And nowhere in her conversation did, was anything discussed about what might have been happening at home with the child. So the whole focus was to discipline the child, and this is why we have what we have right now. I think too often we, we are ready to discipline our children without finding out what's going on in their lives. We're quick to pick up the rod, right? Spare the rod, spoil the child. And so many of us have used that and abused that saying instead of really finding out the facts first before making a situation worse. Let's pause a little bit before we pick up whatever mm -hmm. and talk to our children, communicate to our children is all I'm saying all before right. running to send them to the next youth prison. Let me ask you a question, Fabian. 
let us say let let us say this were your son you get a call for, did you look at the video fabian i saw okay. a bit of it not the complete thing maybe five seconds okay. i saw enough of it yeah so let us say you're the parent of this mm -hmm. son of this boy right right and i have to take up the phone and call you and say to you i need mm -hmm. you to come down to the school your right. son was in an altercation a fist right. fight with a teacher mm -hmm. what would your approach be to this particular situation as a parent well my i'd be down there so i drop everything i'm doing and get down there but this is what i want us to understand moments is that we no longer live in the past era it's so easy to compare and say well we did this back in the day and we were better and we were that 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 is the easy thing to do but the, the challenge for us is finding out how can we do what we're doing better okay that I, I, you know that horse has left the barn i keep saying that i can't say it enough we no longer live in the 80s and the 90s and the 70s or whenever we grew up the fact is that we have to do a better job of protecting our children and not sending them off to the next uh, youth facility. Mm -hmm. And a part of that is stop comparing how things used to be. Let's figure out a different way that we can approach this. Because right now we're diff dealing with a different personality with our young people. So I really tend to compare all the time how it used to be back in the day really offers no value right. or little value. Fair we enough. have to do things different. That's all I'm saying. Let's, 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 let's do something different because clearly... This is not working. Fair enough. But how are we going to have this young man on? The, okay, so we're going to have the conversation with him. Find out what's going on with him mentally and emotionally, right? right. But after we do that, what is the mode that we're going to use to discipline him? Because he still has to be disciplined because no child or man going to have me come down to the school for fight. No teacher. And I just have a conversation and it ends there. What disciplinary measures can we put in place? We're not going to beat the child. What can we do? Well, I mean, after you have that meeting with whomever, uh, psychiatrist or whoever's in, in a mental health field and whoever's from the school and, and parents, obviously. So, uh, you know, I can't really sit up because I don't know what's going on uh, with this child. Does this child need to be disciplined in some form? 100% to the degree of which I don't know. But every situation, every case is unique. And that's all I'm saying. We're just using this one template to right away. Go discipline our kids. And all I'm saying is let's pause and find out, yes, he will have to have some kind of discipline. But let's find out, what if this kid is being abused at home? And this is just his way of showing out. Has anybody ever asked themselves that? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Valid points. You have made some very valid points, um, Fabian. Go right ahead, Chief. Thank you. So I think we confuse discipline with punishment. And because we confuse the, the two, discipline and punishment, we don't come up with the right outcome. We don't even create solutions. We can say what we don't like, but we don't have, we're not really operating in solution-based mindset, right? Like, what's the solution, though? We talk about the problem. We reference the past so because we start, if you look at the past, you understand that if you don't learn from it, you repeat it. So apparently there are, there are lessons that have been missed that we need to, I, I believe in going back into the past when it's usable, not when it's unusable, right? And I think we can utilize this and we have to find, to, to speak to what Fabian said about the school to prison pipeline. One of the reasons they have a pipeline is because we let somebody else discipline our children instead of us disciplining our own children. 
right? And schools came up with policies like no child left behind. I mean, I'm sorry, no tolerance programs where you basically, you create a no tolerance pro program. And what that does is that creates a juvenile system, a high, a high, a high uh, incarceration rate into the juvenile system. <laughs> and that's going to happen because states require, states get funding for things like that. But I don't want to digress. Going, staying on, on point. We have to take the idea of discipline into our own hands and we have to find really good ways to deal with that, right? These, these, look at the age group. Just dealing with the age group of children we're talking about. Puberty level and peer pressure. I don't care who you are. There's nothing you can do except be present when your child is going through puberty, right? And, and try to help that child navigate some serious hormonal changes that is taking place in that child's body. And anybody who's been a middle school teacher understands that because that's what it looks like these kids are probably most likely middle school. But we have to find, we have to find more, uh, high school, we have to use every school. means available. High okay. school teacher. Okay, that's, high school. Right. So you, we have to use every means, every means available because I'd rather me discipline my children than for a prison system or some other system to discipline my child. Because if we don't, we're surrendering their future and we're giving up. You know what I'm saying? So I think we need to really be clear when we talk about the difference between punishment and discipline. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, oh, okay. Hold on one second, Fabian. Let me just jump to the comments real quick, and then I'll hand the mic sure. back over to you, Fabian. So, O'Shane, welcome to Coffee and Toe. Thank you for coming in. If you'd like to come up on stage, we'll be happy to have you. Just raise your hands. So, I'm going to read O'Shane's um, comments. You teach the child to use physical violence to solve the problems, and I guess he's alluding to when we beat the children at home. That's what we're teaching them. All right. So every issue in life, the child uses violence. Every issue in the home, the child is beat. So what do you expect him to do in the real world? No problem solving skills, no healthy communication, no emotional intelligence, no fathers in the home, no respect for males. And O'Shane, um, it's so funny that you said that, um, especially the last two comments, no fathers in the home, no respect for males, because we, we spoke about this yesterday when we were talking about Deion Sanders' statements, and not many people liked it, right? And the world, a lot of people on social media are furious about the comments that he made, when the truth is, there is some truth to what he's saying. And unfortunately, the statistics show, you know, and it's we, what we need to do instead of being angry about what he said is see how we can fix the situation fathers need to see how they can be involved nobody's saying you have to stay with the, the mother of your child but there should be respect if your son sees you respecting the mother guess what he's going to learn to respect women if the the, the son or the daughter sees the mother respecting the father guess what he's going to learn to respect both men and women and unfortunately, this is something I want mothers to stop doing. Stop bad-mouthing the fathers of your children, no matter what. Stop bad-mouthing them to your children. Because what you're doing is teaching them hate and building up emotions that they should not be harboring. Go right ahead, Fabian. 
Yeah, and I couldn't agree more with uh, what Oshin uh, wrote in the chat. You know, I think, uh, once again, it is so easy to meet out this punishment, discipline, whatever you, uh, whatever way you want to frame it. But nowhere there do we hear enough about mental health evaluations of our black children. Okay, it's always white children or the children get afforded this. But for us, we're ready to take out the belt and we're ready to discipline them. Okay, and many times if, if these children do not have a father figure at home, they don't have that structure. They've never had that structure. And then they act out at school. They're going through stuff. And right away, it's just less just discipline. Because that's, that's the way we've been doing. But unfortunately, what we have to admit as well is that in the past, we made some mistakes. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that's what we're not owning. We're always saying the benefits of it. But there are things that and we have contributed to the school, to prison pipeline. Our own selves, our own community has has contributed to that in the very ways I just said. So it's time for us to do better, to evolve and find out a different and more solvable way to deal with these. These children do not think like we do. Mm -hmm. It's much different. And as a result, we have to step up our game. Thank you. Thank you, Fabian. So let me read Chile's. Hold on one second, Chief. Let me okay, just read Chile's okay. comment real quick. It used to be a combined effort with the parents and the teachers working together, but now they are going against each other. And I have to agree with what Julie is saying. I went to school with many children who were from single parent homes. But guess what? And I said this before, the parents would show up. The parents would, every fourth weekend, you would go home because it was a boarding school. You see the parents show up to collect their children but you don't only show up to collect your children there was interaction between parents and teachers how is my child doing is there anything that i need to focus on while the child is home of the weekend there was that joint effort so making the excuse of being a single parent home i don't think is valid enough it serves some purpose yes but it's not valid enough it's up to the parent how much interest do you have in your child's success and well-being go right ahead g yeah so uh I, this is my this is my area this is my thing right this education thing in, in, this, in the prison i mean the uh judicial system we fabian said something very important he said we have contributed to the school to prison pipeline mm -hmm. right let, let me explain let me explain how we have done so using the mental health argument because he's right we do need to do that but we don't need to let the system do it the system has created a whole system inside the educational institutions that accommodates the school to prison pipeline using mental health that's why the majority of black children in the united states suffer from are, are been diagnosed misdiagnosed with adhd they're they're over medicated and they put in uh what is it uh uh, uh uh, education educationally handicapped right so you have our, our our children who are being misdiagnosed and it is providing data to the educational institutions and the judicial system they use that data against black children to, as as predictors of how many children will go into the prison system 
we have to understand mm -hmm. the science behind all of this, right? We can we can we can have our opinions, but we got to you understand if we're not the educators, somebody else is educating us. Right. And, and, and it goes it's going to go back to community. And like you said, moments, it's not just about single mothers, because most of most of the single mothers I know have are, are, are very aware of the necessity of having a male figure around their children, especially if they're boys. So they make sure that they got mentors, they got people in their lives who can support that system. That's so that's that's who we are as African people, if you classify as such or indigenous people even. We, we, you always have a community of people around you to accommodate so that that child, nobody wants the child to feel like they're less than or that they have a, a handicap because they have a missing parent. And no child should, be, should have to You're in the matrix. So the we fill the void, right? Men like us, like Fabian, like us. Okay, can you hear me now? I'm gonna, yeah, I, I, go I, ahead, go ahead. Go can ahead. you hear me? Yeah, okay. go ahead. Yeah, so, so, so we all need to take some some accountability Ooh, you're the matrix again. that we know are in that position okay I'll, I'll stop there okay so let me thank you chief let me jump to the chat again crystal um put a comment here uh funny thing is during the beginning of the scandemic when the children were home with these parents the parents didn't know what to do or how to be parents to their own children. They wanted to send them back to school. And you know what, Crystal? You're absolutely right. Many people were complaining on social media. Even when summer rolls around, they're like, oh my gosh, I got to have these kids for the next two months. They don't know what to do. They do. And we're not talking just single family. We're talking all situations. Every single family setup, every single family dynamic, people were distraught that they had to deal with their own children do you like them so why did you have them oh you didn't know what you're getting into some of the children are the, are the exact they're the car they're a copy a carbon copy of you and you have to deal with you your mini version of you a lot of parents complained on social media about having to look after their kids they need to open back the schools and take these kids back these kids they're your kids another comment in the chat Shane put single parent households contribute largely to all crimes and degeneracy in society. Who? A woman can't teach children, especially boys, discipline and structure. They see her as a nurturer and caregiver. I have mixed feelings about that comment, O'Shane. Um, single parent households contribute largely to all crimes. I, I can't agree with that because there are many single family homes that produce exceptional students. Now, single family um, parent households don't always come about because the father walked out of the, the child's life and the, the, the mother's life or because the minute he heard she was pregnant, he dumped her. Some of it, um, when we talk about single family households, some are single family households because the man has to go out to work and sometimes has to stay out there for months at a time before he comes home. So even though you have a partner, it still creates that dynamic. You also have single family homes that are a result of divorce. Um, you have single family homes that are a result of death. You know, so I, I, I'm not going to, um, yeah, say that they contribute largely to all crimes. That one, I can't agree with. But he did follow up and say that proves they have no relationship with their children. 
that mean you have no clue who they are etc you just get up and want to be beat and Julie said women get widowed and not date again okay i'm done reading from the comments who was next who was next all right yeah um various factors going to play so if i'm going to take a piece of what everybody said all right so teflon referenced going back to the way we were disciplined and we're still alive and it makes us think twice to, before we we do certain things I tell, i've said this before i still feel this the, the belt um and my mother hand on my behind i still feel it to this day and it makes me it makes me think twice right um and i understand that we don't want to go back in time but we also have to understand that one style of discipline does not work with all children and to support that i'll say this i have four boys i have to approach each one differently one if you raise your voice like how i'm talking now which is he would consider raise voice the tears start streaming and that tells him don't do it again right the other one i literally have to scream for him to understand and the other one i can talk calmly no problem and then the other one i have to be forceful when i'm speaking not disrespectful but i have to be stern when i'm speaking for different personalities for different styles so we have to adjust there are some children no matter what you do the only thing they will respond to is a slap you have some children the only thing that they will respond to is you denying them certain privileges and yes i'm saying privileges you being able to play your video game it's a privilege you earned it and i i have the right to remove it from you until you get yourself in check right some children you tell them time out go to bed that works because we know how children are if they feel they're missing out the world is coming to an end some you can just talk to so we have to understand how we are able to get through to each child and it takes work and what how do how do we do that work by getting to know our children getting to know our children that's the only way we're going to know what's going to work for who it's trial and error there's no perfect we weren't given a handbook we were not each child is not a, a, on a conveyor belt that's you know put there and everything looks the same acts the same does the same no now i have to talk about what fabian said we want to get to understand what's going on with our children mentally and emotionally especially when trained professionals see a display of certain behavioral characteristics these behavioral characteristics are aligned with certain outcomes now you having that training that professional training should know now how to have a guidance counseling moment notice the word guidance counseling moment or moments with this individual get to understand what's going on find out the dynamic because a lot of what's going on as mentioned is not necessarily school related but also 
home-related and they have no outlet, so they bring it to school, right? So we have to look at the psychological aspect of it and see how we can help them. But now after the guidance counselor or the psychotherapist, whatever the role is, interacts with them and gains an understanding of what's going on in their lives, there also needs to be the involvement of the home, whether it's the parent, the grandparent, a guardian, whomever is responsible, in some cases an older sibling, right? But there has to be that involvement and they too will have to go through a session individually with that guidance counselor so they can hear that perspective because what you don't want to do is not hear all sides of the situation. Because remember, we all see things differently, right? My interpretation is going to be different from yours. So we need to hear from the parent as well, the, the, the guardian, what is going on with them because they too have issues. They too are, have traumas. They too lacked emotional or, or are lacking emotional intelligence. So we have that session with them and then we have a merged session, a group session where we can sit down and talk and commit to changing how we do things, how we interact, so that we can change the trajectory of this child's life and possibly the, the, the guardian's life too. I hope I'm making sense. You know, so it's a culmination of various things, if you ask me, but it is something that we have to take seriously. We have to be very serious. We have to be committed. All parties have to be committed. Do we make our children feel comfortable in the school system to come and talk to us? Do we do that? If the parent is not able to hear them or chooses not to hear them or spend time with them to interact with them, who can they go to? They need to have a safe space. There needs to be someone that they can count on. And, you know, when we talk about sports, I'm sure, Fabian, as you, you spoke yesterday, your involvement in covering um, NFL players who started out in the high schools here in, in South Florida. How many of them will tell you they had no father, but the coach stepped up? The choices they made were based on their interaction with the coach. They did not want to let the coach down. How many times have you heard that, Fabian? Heavy involvement. So it takes a village, folks. One hand can clap. It takes a village. All parties involved. Okay, and I'm done speaking. <laughs> Anybody else wants to contribute before we keep it moving? Or we go, okay, Fabian probably can't talk. You put the exclamation mark. Um, O'Shane says, these behaviors are symptoms of bigger problems. The child is a product of his or her environment and parents to some degree, possibly to a large degree. But there are children who come out of what we would call, quote unquote, perfect homes who still become rebellious, who still act out, right? 
So it's not necessarily always the parents. So we want to be, you know, we want to look at that too. But that's a good point as well, O'Shane. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for that great conversation. Um, what would we as parents recommend to the Minister of Education as a reasonable approach to handle these situations to ensure that these Things don't happen anymore. We, we're not hearing about any more of these in the news on social media. How do we help the Ministry of Education? Because many of us in the diaspora, we're sending money home to send, send children to school. What recommendation can we make to help them? Because the ministry doesn't have all the answers. And I've said that many times. Government doesn't have all the answers. Many times the answers comes from us, the onlookers. All right. So let us think about what we can present to them. Okay. All right. Next up, Constitutional Reform Committee has been established. Story courtesy of Jamaica.loopnews.com. The Constitutional Reform Committee, which is to play a key role in ensuring Jamaica's smooth transition to a republic, has now been constituted. Minister of Legal and Constitutional Affairs Marlene Malahu Ford, who made the disclosure during the sitting of the Standing Finance Committee of the House of Representatives on March 1, said the work has to begin on Wednesday. The committee has been established to assist us in the process to provide advice and oversight as we move on the most comprehensive and impactful constitutional reform work to be undertaken in the life of independent Jamaica. She said the work will be done in three phases, while noting that focus will be on matters for which the votes of the electorate will be ultimately required to make the changes to the Constitution through the Constitutional Amendment Bills. It is our intention to transition Jamaica from a constitutional monarchy to establish the Republic of Jamaica within the Commonwealth as a parliamentary republic and a non with a non-executive president. The minister said the work of the committee will be assisted by a secretariat, which is now being put together. Meanwhile, Malahu Ford said the ministry has been mandated to supervise the government's legislation program in each ministry. The aim is to provide technical guidance and support to monitor the work program and to implement strategies to close those gaps. She added that the legislative review process is currently riddled with inordinate delays, culminating in new, numerous pieces of legislation that are not being amended, repealed and replaced, nor developed and subsequently passed in a timely way. Didn't we talk about this the other day? Was it this week or last week? Yeah, we need a lot of amendment needs to be done. A lot of repealing needs to be done. A lot of replacement needs to be done. We, we talked about that. She added that I think the situation is further exasperated by the paucity of legal and policy officers with the required qualification and experience in the various ministries. What we see from our review is that every year the ministries create an overly ambitious legislative priority without sufficient regard for the steps needed to be taken and what can realistically be accomplished within the year. She further added that the ministry has taken stock and will be reporting the findings to Parliament with proposals for improvements. 
Golding is perplexed by move to grant Canadian companies cannabis import license. And we spoke about another minister yesterday who was like, uh-uh, what y'all doing? Opposition leader Mark Golding says he is perplexed by the Cannabis Licensing Authority's CLA's decision to grant a license to any entity that will import ganja from Canada to Jamaica. In a social media post on Thursday, the opposition leader called on the CLA for an explanation as to why the entity was given the green light. The Cannabis Licensing Authority owes the public an explanation as to exactly what is the thinking behind the grant of such a license and indeed the minister under whose portfolio this lies senator Aubin hill or his junior minister norman dunn must come forward and explain why a license would be granted to be importing ganja into jamaica from canada mr golding says his work in the past was aimed at putting small farmers in positions to benefit from the ganja industry here we go. Next sound bite. Play. When I designed the reform which led to the decriminalization of personal use of ganja and the establishment of a regulated industry in medicinal and therapeutic ganja in 2015, the idea was to empower small farmers in particular and allow those who had built the brand for Jamaica over a century of struggle through prohibition would have access to a lawful industry where they could receive technology and investment and leverage Jamaica's brand through international transactions as well as domestic market transactions. That was Mark Golding, leader of the opposition. Industry Minister Senator Aubin Hill has defended the granting of the license as he was grilled on the matter of by his opposition counterpart, Anthony Hilton. We were, we were obliged to consider it. And we considered it. It was it was for the, it met the requirement. And because Canada is a, is is a is an outstanding trading partner of Jamaica, it was not it was allowed to come through in the normal way. So we followed the law. So, so Minister, so are you saying this is this this is a one-off approval request or, that or, we've and, had? And is it expected that additional requests and approval? will follow one of the things that i tend not to do with a future member is to predict it i can't say what will come i i can tell you we will follow the law when they come okay i heard a bunch of nothing from Auburn hill I, i'm not sure how anybody what anybody else heard i did not hear a reasonable answer that would warrant me saying yeah sure go ahead we can go ahead and import ganja from canada into jamaica i must be deaf let me play it again. We, were, we ha were obliged to consider it, and we considered it. It was it was for the it met the requirement, and because Canada is a, is is a is an outstanding trading partner of Jamaica, it was not it was allowed to come through in the normal way. So we followed the law. So, so Minister, so are you saying this is this this is a one-off approval request or, that or, we've and, had? And is it expected that additional requests and approval? will follow one of the things that i tend not to do with a future member is to predict it i can't say what will come i i can tell you we will follow the law when they come what i want to ask is who is getting the kickback from this decision because there's a kickback somewhere there is a kickback somewhere because all i am hearing really and when i say i don't hear him saying anything that would make me 
want to agree with them granting the license for, ga for ganja to be imported into Jamaica from Canada. What they're doing is shoving it down our throats, whether we like it or not. I saw it, I go, go. And there's nothing you can do, which tells me what law, what law are we, law are we speaking about? Why didn't, why didn't you talk about how you are going to see to it that you work with local farmers? How you're not saying anything that they're going to be protected? How you're not saying to us to what percentage or how much will be allowed in as there is a demand for designer weed? We're only going to allow in a small amount. I need specifics. I am not hearing specifics. I don't know if, if the opposition is asking the right questions, but I'm not hearing what I need to hear for me to say, yeah, 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 go ahead. What I am hearing right now is the elimination of the small farmer. No protection for the small farmer. When he goes out of business and he can no longer look after his family, who is going to subsidize him? Nobody. And we're going to tell him, pivot. You have to learn how to pivot, right? Now you're going to, or you're going to have him think about contaminating the weed. And yes, I'm using the word contaminating because designer weed is contaminated weed in my opinion. You're altering it with, from its natural state because now you're starting to add flavors. And these flavors, I'm sorry, are synthetic. So now we have synthetic weed. What are the um, health implications that we're now going to impose on our society? I don't think they're thinking this through logically and reasonably. And that is why I'm saying, who is getting the kickback? That you're so adamant about pushing this on the country. Instead of focusing on how you can make local weed marketable, because it is, in, in my opinion, I think it's the best weed in the world. I, I've never smoked it, but based on what I've heard, people come from all over the world to Jamaica to smoke the weed. If they want designer weed, they can get that where they are. So are, are we even thinking about the ecotourism aspect of it? We're not thinking about that either. And then when we deliberately put people out of jobs, farming, right? When we cut off their source of income and them sit on the street light at the intersection, oh, no wonder why, why I can't go find something to do. Well, we were doing something, boss, saying, you take it away from me. I say, foreign things, you know, so what you want me for the boss? We cannot only think about the upper echelon. We also have to think about the small man who makes up the excuse me, the majority of the country. But we're not thinking. I don't have a political science degree, so I'm not qualified to speak, I guess. I don't have an economics degree. I don't, I'm not qualified to speak. I don't have a law degree, so I am not qualified to speak there either. But what I am qualified to speak on is the state of the economic affairs because as a taxpayer, when you come after me if I'm not paying my taxes, when you penalize me if I'm not paying my taxes, when you want to seize this, this, and that if I'm not paying my taxes, so I do have the right to speak.
when are we what happened to the days and i'm not calling for anybody to protest but what happened to the, the days when the only time them seem to understand is when we get up and protest i mean our talks turn up on the side of the road with a placard i mean when people used to block road and these things and that would force them to listen we have become civilized i guess we're no longer savages but the savage way did work they were more inclined to listen. Remember when we had the, the oil issue? What do people them do? And then wake up, them do something about it. They have become too comfortable in their positions, forgetting it is we the people who put them there. So we the people need to hold them accountable. And just like in, in um, Grenada, where after three months, while on her probationary period, she is ejected from her position. We need to start with the same. Come on, man. Come on. When are we going to wake up in Jamaica? When are we going to care, not just say the words, but actually show that we care about our citizens, especially the little man. The same little man we go to when you are campaign and pass out box food and a case of dragon stout. The same little man that you go up to, into his community, and tell him all what you are going to fame to make sure him can send him Pitney or in Grand Pitney Girls School. And then we wonder why people want to leave the country. And then we talk about labor shortage. You have to import labor. We are creating our own problems. And everything from foreign are the thing for bringing our country. What well, Shane said, it's all about the money. Um, can't have local formal, farmers sorry, being free. Also, their strain is tainted. It's about power and control. Big dog, small yard. It's economic slavery. Chantal said it's all about the money for them. Man can make as much money on what nature has made, but made. Hold on. Let me see if I understand that. Man can make as much money on what nature has made, but the emoji, I don't understand it, but you forgive me. <laughs> All right. O'Shane said you need no degree to get an understanding. I like that. Understanding of this. It's all about slavery economics. <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. Boy, may I tell you. Next up. Euro-African Slave Trade Alliance, an attempt to avoid, avoid accountability, says Beckles. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM.com. Vice Chancellor of the Uni University of the West Indies, UWI, Professor Sir Hilary Beckles, says the idea of a mutual partnership between the Europeans and Africans in carrying out the slave trade was instigated to avoid accountability for the criminality. And I do have a sound bite for that. I will go ahead and play that now. When the slave traders were called to account, when public opinion in Europe called upon the slave traders to account for their 300 years of criminality, they would consistently argue that there was a partnership with African leadership and that their criminality should be shared because they were merely the business partners in the slave trade. Professor Beckles made the comment as he delivered the plenary address at a one-day symposium 
examining the role of African elites in facilitating the transatlantic slave trade. A high-level delegation of royal African traditional leaders are among the participants at the symposium now underway at the University of the West Indies Center for Reparation Research and P.J. Patterson Institute for Africa-Caribbean Advocacy. Professor Beckles says the forum will provide a platform for the Africans to speak their truths on the matter. The reason why this is so important to us right now is because by putting the history in its proper context, our African royal families can now be provided with a platform on which to speak. Because the history that came out of Europe have served as a distraction from the truth of the situation. And many of the West African royal families have been silent because they have been projected incorrectly as allies in this process. We can now construct this history scientifically and provide a platform for the royal families to speak about their history and what actually happened to their families. He adds that the confrontation will now provide a space for CARICOM to seek reparations. We have been silent by the lies for too long. We are declaring today that Africa is joining forces with CARICOM on the reparations journey. Because we knew that the global reparations movement will never gain its full potential until Africa came on board. And Africa is now on board with the African Union declaring its solidarity with CARICOM, declaring that it will now become a voice at the United Nations in support of global African reparations. Mark this day as a new beginning. That was Professor Hilary Beckles, Vice Chancellor at the University of the West Indies. The symposium is being held under the theme Reparation and Royalty. Africa and Europe, exploding myths and empowering truths. The argument that Africans played a part in selling their own people into slavery has been a widespread discussion which continues to be a major disruption in developing strong relationships with the nations of Africa and the Caribbean's claim for reparations. The conference will explore several topics, including Africa before and after the slave trade, the debate on African and European involvement in the slave trade, as well as reparations justice in the Caribbean. Head of Africa and Diaspora Royal Kingdoms Alliance Network, Queen Grace Eganda, Chairman of the Grenada National Reparations Committee, Arlie Gill and former Prime Minister PJ Patterson are among the panelists. Setting the record straight, Europeans violated treaties to start chattel slavery. This story is also courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM.com. Africans were given the opportunity to rewrite history on Thursday as they set to dismantle myths about their mutual partnership with Europeans in facilitating the transatlantic slave trade. More in this report from Shaloy Smichael. The slavery that Africans knew was not the chattel slavery that Europeans created. That was the phrase echoed by President of the Universal Negro Improvement Association, Stephen Golding. He made the comments today during a panel discussion at the one-day symposium at the University of the West Indies, Mona campus. Mr. Golding explained that the treaty between the Africans and Europeans regarding the slave trade was violated. 
Slavery was a part of our penal system. It was how we punished whether you were the loser in the war or you had committed a crime in the society. In fact, the best way to get rid of them would be to sell them and get compensation back for the crime that they had committed. These Africans who were sold into slavery but then encountered chattel slavery, they rebelled. They left the plantations. This became a problem for the Europeans. They did not want now the regular pickings at the African slave markets because these people were dangerous. These were soldiers. These were killers. And quickly, they began to violate the treaty and the conditions under which they were to engage in the slave trade in Africa. Mr. Golding says the Africans wrote a letter to the Europeans stating that they will end the partnership. But the Europeans found other legal tactics to continue recruiting Africans. Where they realized that they weren't prepared to work under the terms that Africa knew slavery as. They began to undermine these kingdoms and they began now to seek out their enemies and through the gun trade, empower them to make war, to create a situation where they could kidnap and exploit and traffic more Africans. For her part, Her Royal Majesty Queen Cynthia Kumalu of Zulu Nation, South Africa, says the Europeans are the sole instigators of chattel slavery. She explained that Africans were also enslaved in their own country. The very same thing was happening to you. It happened to us. You know, we, they used to hang us uh, in the field to plow for them. They will use us human beings. You would think it was only you alone. We in Africa, it was the same. So we were enslaved in our own country. Not to say you people in diaspora, uh, you were more than us. It's equal. The symposium examined the role of African elites in facilitating the transatlantic slave trade. It was held under the theme, Reparation and Royalty, Africa and Europe, Exploding Myths and Empowering Truths. The argument that Africans played a part in selling their own people into slavery has been a widespread discussion, which continues to be a major disruption in developing strong relationships with the nations of Africa and the Caribbean's claim for reparations. Vice-Chancellor at the UWI, Professor Hilary Beckles, says the confrontation will provide a space for CARICOM to seek reparations. Shalloy Smichael for Nationwide News. All right. Thank you, Shaloy. And that story wraps up our stories out of the Caribbean corner. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we do have uh, stories out of Latin America and on the international scene. But before I go to break, anyone wants to say anything before I move on? Okay, let me check the chat real quick. Okay, Sanet says... Um, Oh, Crystal, <laughs> I forgot you did correct your statement. Man can only make so much on nature-made items, but when it is laboratory-made, they make millions. Facts. Okay, Sonet said, so many people need to hear this report. I'm tired of all the blame of slavery and the sale of humans by Africans. All right. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we have stories out of Latin America and the international scene. Here is Coffee with Pressure. Hear that? Them think it's a joke. Sister, talk to them now. Oh, yeah. It's real. Do you have any doubt? Yeah. This is what we're talking about. Nothing. Under the pressure, under the pressure. 
Yeah, under the pressure, under the pressure. If your watch up, it's take away now. We cheat in a second, cause we all under pressure, my friend. Sometimes when you feel it, you cry down. I hurt your heart, you know, but do not make it stress you, cause it's happy, be better, not be living at the ghetto, be under the pressure, my friend. I'm we born in a struggle, isolated in a bubble. One half in the rich, yet another for the poor. Jobless and please help us, we can't take no more. We're feeling the pressure, we are down to the core. Oh, money for the young when them send it ashore. And every nation come and get rich and we stay poor. Them show you $20, we go through the back door. Tell them, tell them, so we can't take no more. Under the pressure, under the As we celebrate Women's History Month, you're only hearing songs from reggae queens today. That was the voice of coffee, Pressure. There is a lane with no ordinary love. You're inside the Friday mix on Coffee Intel. Listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. For quality music while you work or play, remember to keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. To back Elaine, so in love. Engineer me and over time, just 
better love I never found, found I'm so drunk of your love, so fill me up and pour me another round, round Hey, baby, all of me is for you and all of you is for me, yeah Come over here, let me show you just what I mean, hey Thank you to everyone listening on JanoRadio.com. Download that Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go. Man, we tell you lie like them believe you head I am. That is why me never am for run the dirty man. Up in a every galley, I'm like every picture on the gram. Them the bang around the up to fill me standard. Independent, girl, run with that You don't care for me at all. Voice of Spice, don't care. Well, in my pain, feed a body, remember the wine. Feelings about that, you still left on your mind. Wish him could get even a minute of my time. All I could have been up here. Gonna squeeze in one more before we get back to business. Man, me no run down, pay for me chase. One forgiveness, go ask God, no bring that to grace. I'm your cheat one time, no come back in. You don't care for me at all. Thank you to my clubhouse crew for rocking with me. Thank you so much for lending your voice to the conversation. Here is Tessan Chin, heaven knows. Come Monday, we're going to be celebrating Calypso Rose. I wanted to play her songs yesterday, but I'm going to reserve her for Monday. All about Calypso Rose. Monday's normally our Soka day. So we're going to save her for that day, Monday. Coming up Monday, also 10 p.m. Eastern, days after dark. Set your alarms from now. It's Real Relationship Talk. Join the crew, myself, Moments. Along with Sanette, Javette, Rosolo, and Marlon. That's where we talk about the building blocks of relationships, communication, love, intimacy, friendship, and finances. We are live on QMZRadio.com and JohnORadio.com. And the conversation happens on Clubhouse. So make sure you go ahead and set your alarms. 10 p.m. Eastern, Monday night.
it is all about the reggae queens on today's episode of Coffee and Toe Inside the Friday Mix. Hope you're enjoying the music as we help ease you into the weekend. Coming up later on, I know we're going to get turned up with DJ Teflon. your heart beating for My favorites from Tess and Jim. Thank you once again to everyone on QMZRadio.com, JohnNoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse. Let's Get back to business. All right. So our first story, we head to Argentina. Argentina to renew push for sovereignty over Falkland Island. Story courtesy of AlJazeera.com. Argentina has called on the United Kingdom to launch new talks over the sovereignty of the Falkland Islands, a disputed archipelago in the South Atlantic. On Thursday, the Argentinian Foreign Ministry announced the government's plans to revisit its claim over the islands known as the Islas Malvinas in Spanish. Foreign Minister Santiago Caballero has formulated a proposal to restart negotiations for sovereignty over the Falklands question. The ministry said in a statement following a meeting with UK officials. The decision effectively ends the 2016 Forodori Duncan Pact, which is a non-binding statement to agree to disagree on the sovereignty of the islands in favor of improving relations on trade and security. Argentina's announcement was met with strong criticism in the UK, which also claims authority over the Falkland Islands. The two sides have been engaged in talks in New Delhi, India this week at the Group of 20, the G20 summit, which concluded on Thursday. After meeting with Cafiero, UK Foreign Secretary James Cleverly took to Twitter to blast Argentina's plan to revisit talks over the Falkland Islands. The Falkland Islands are British. Islanders have the right to decide their own future. And as such, they have chosen to remain a self-governing UK overseas territory. His views were echoed by David Rutley, the UK's Minister for the Americas and the Caribbean, who called the announcement a disappointing decision after his recent visit to Buenos Aires. Argentina has chosen to step away from an agreement agreement, sorry, that has brought comfort to the families of those who died in the 1982 conflict. Argentina, the UK, and the Falklands 
all benefited from this agreement. The Foradori Duncan Pact included an agreement to identify the remains of unknown Argentinian soldiers who died during the 1982 Falkland War. So what should they do? If the, if the people are saying, yep, there was a war, son. <laughs> there was a war indeed. Um, if the people are saying that if this, the, those who reside in the Falkland Islands want to remain a part of the UK, should they be allowed to do so? I understand that Argentina wants to reclaim the Falkland Islands. I get that. But what is in the, shouldn't we be doing what's in the best interest of the citizens there? What should we do? All right, so we're going to have to wait to hear how that pans out. All right. But hold on. What's their language there? If they're Quick question. Yeah, 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 Drake, come on. Uh we we know if these people on the island are uh from British origins. That's what I was I'm right. You know the funny thing you asked that because I jumped on Google and I am looking up Falkland Islands right now to get an idea of exactly um What's there? Who is there? The official language there is English. That much we know. Um, the Falkland Islands, Islas Malvinas, are a remote South Atlantic archipelago with rugged terrain and cliff-lined coasts. Its hundreds of islands and islets are home to sheep farms and abundant bird life. Uh, drr, drr, hold on. Let me go in a little more. Let's see. Um... Ask the question again, Dre. I just went blank. Ask the question again. Dre. I was asking if um, the people on the island are from British descent. Okay. All right. So let's see. The population, 3,662 inhabitants in 2021, is primarily native-born Falkland Islanders, the majority of British descent. Other ethnicities include French, Gibraltarians and Scandinavians, immigration from the United Kingdom and the South Atlantic Island of St. Helena and Chile has reversed a population decline. The predominant and official language is English. Under the British Nationality Act 1983, Falkland Islanders are British citizens. So the majority, they say, are of British descent. But... Okay, so that's sure why that... Yeah, so that's sure why they made that decision. I think the island should be turned over to the rightful owner, which is Argentina. Mm. So let me ask a question here. I'm a little slow this morning, please. Under the... Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I really am slow this morning. Forgive me. So if the island huh, was... is pr To be a native-born... Falklander, it means you that's indigenous, right? Or mm, you're gonna take in count in those who migrated there and then their generations after that. W what are we looking at it as? Primarily native born Falkland Islanders. Who do we describe that group as? The indigenous to the island? It did, didn't it say it? It said native born with British descent, right? The, the majority of British descent. Are just native born. 
primarily yeah i wouldn't say indigenous, indigenous. that doesn't sound indigenous yeah to me. okay so it's not they're not indigenous the majority of british descent hmm. all right so even though we're gonna say turn it over turn the island back over to argentina because of proximity is it, is it because of proximity geographic geographical um location or was it actually a part of argentina and the the well based on the war i i'm guessing so they won the british won um but ultimately are we going to listen to the people at all dre we are saying give it back to argentina right but what but, if the but wait you it's you said it's already an established country or they have their own government and they're choosing to remain under the british monarchy right. i guess in some sort of um relation like i'm gonna say jamaica mm -hmm. so um the people have their choice they get to vote we don't we don't i'm sorry i don't think we is it me or is it Sonette? i don't think we strangers have a right to say anything they they are they have a, a a country they have their own elections they have their own boards they're saying they want to remain um as a part of the united kingdom mm -hmm. like Julie wrote in, in the chat this had to happen to reunion islands in the south pacific they decide to stay a part of france even though france is thousands of miles away <laughs> right they they're going for their benefit let i'm gonna let this, that country govern themselves that's that's yeah. what i'm gonna do yeah we may frown upon them and say hey what y'all talking about yeah it used to be a part of argentina yeah but now they got after the, the um the, the war. Falkland wars back in the 80s they decided to they chose after the what do you call it the war um the the, the 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 whatever the talk is at the end of the war the decision was made they're british now the they, they want to stay that way mm -hmm. say it again Treaty. The treaty. Thank you, sir, very much. That's exactly it. And ma'am, the treaty. The treaty said they're going to be British, and they had some time to think about. It. I guess now is the time to rethink. They want to stay in England with England. Let them go ahead. Mm -hmm. That's my, I'm, you know, but that's my opinion. An opinion is worth what? <laughs> but if, if if that's the case, what's the claim Argentina making now? You know, um, if Argentina is making a claim, that means they there's some legal wiggle room where they think they could make that claim to gain the island back. Um, that's just what I'm thinking. All right, let me read something here, Dre, real quick. The archipelago, which lies 373 miles, ooh, that's a bit of a distance, off the coast of Argentina, is home to an estimated 3,200 people from 60 countries, according to its government. Currently, the UK identifies the island as a self-governing overseas territory. In 2013, a referendum was held on the island to gauge whether residents wished to retain their status as a British territory. An estimated 99.8% of participants voted yes. In Thursday's announcement, Argentina called for the question of the island's sovereignty to be resolved before the United Nations. Oh. Um, and Argentina is to take, the, they're going to take the Falklands case to the United Nations. Argentina plans to, to present a formal complaint in the United Nations over Britain's militarization of the situation in the Falkland Islands. Uh, we will present a complaint to the UN Secretary Security Council and the UN General Assembly as this militarization poses a grave danger to international security. And that is according to President Cristina Kirchner, 
uh, when speaking to a group of politicians referring to the British Navy's deployment of a state-of-the-art warship to the region last week. Kirshner said that the UK was once again in the process of militarizing the South Atlantic. We cannot interpret it in any other way. The deployment of an ultra-modern destroyer accompanying the heir to the throne we would prefer to see in civilian attire. And of course, she's referring to Prince William, who is second in line to the British throne. Hundreds of protesters rallied near the government palace where Kirshner was speaking, waving Argentinian flags and shouting, Malawinas, they belong to us. On the other hand, UK foreign officials said on Wednesday that London would not negotiate over sovereignty without the islanders' consent and said that the UN charter backed the British position. Oof. Um warship in the region again that does sound that does sound right um but hmm. look at it this way right the chinese they come and they take over goat island they populate goat island right Mm -hmm. a hundred years later we as Jamaicans want to get back Cook Island because it was originally us. It was forcefully taken away from us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's majority Chinese people live on it from Chinese descent. And when this come up, they're going to say, oh, I want to remain part of China. We as Jamaicans still would have a claim because the island is... Or that, that's the way I'm looking at it. I might be wrong. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I might be wrong. So the Argentina looking at it, I want to take it to the UN because... The Falkland Island is our island. I don't care who live on that island. Y'all took it from us. Y'all populated. Obviously, they're going to want to remain part of Britain. Right? So, but this is our island. We don't care if all of y'all over there is majority British. So, that's just the way I'm looking at it. You know? I I I don't know what is going to happen. It's going to stay with the British more than likely. You know? But... I'm just saying, I think they still have a claim for the island. Okay, fair enough. Go ahead, Sonette. I think I want to agree with Dre now because you know what? These colonizers came from all the way in England, <laughs> take this little island that is nowhere near them, and I think they fought against it. Like, Argentina fought them. They eventually won because they were stronger. But And the people there are their descendants which is why they're still holding on or willing to hold on to to being under the crown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Argentina, how long have they, they've, they've lost the connection for nearly 30 plus years now. Mm-hmm. Are they dealing with the Falklands in a pleasant way? The people who voted, the 99% of people who voted, they said, not the, not the numbers of people in the country, mm-hmm. 99% of people who voted chose to stay with England. We don't know if 20% or 15% of the people who were there voted. You know what I mean? Yes, I understand. I got you. So, so like, we don't know what that population is. Is it the elite who have very close ties to people who live in England and the Great Britain? Who are voting? Mm-hmm. So it, it this needs I it, this may require some sort of intervention from the United Nations yeah. to get a true answer of what is happening. But gosh, another daggone war we don't want. Exactly. Because, and what That's is disturbing, Sonette, is that they're going to put um, um what you call it 
ultramodern destroyer, another a warship in the region. Why are you doing that? It means that what, what I'm getting from it, and I, I, I may be wrong, um, but what it sounds as though is that UK is going to, by any means necessary, hold on to that. By, you know, because why the need to send a warship there? Why? We're going to keep it by force. You're not going to get it. And if the United Nations says, okay, give it back to Argentina, then what happens? You're going to fight the people then? Or are you going to give it to people? People are going to leave. People are going to, you're going to have a whole bunch of people leaving or they're going to put up their own weapons and fight against, um, the Argentinians coming in because they're like, you don't belong to us. We don't belong to you. Mm. Belong is the wrong word. We are not a part of you. <laughs> a part of you, yeah. Right? Yeah, we are, we are Englanders. <laughs> I can't speak. Londoners. <laughs> yeah, we are British. We are of the people of, of England and the United Kingdom, and we want to retain there. So I don't care what you're telling us. We are not going. We're not giving up our lands. This, is, this, is, this could be extremely messy. Yeah. Another thing to keep our eyes on, huh? Mm-hmm. One more. <sighs> Are we tired? <laughs> Exhausted. <laughs> I am. Anger boils over train crash in Greece as audio released of driver being told to ignore red light. Story courtesy of CNNWorld.com. And I think I have the sound bite for this one. Uh no, there's no sound bite for it. I apologize. I thought there was. Hold on a second. No, there is a sound bite. Why am I all over the place today? But CNN, yes. CNN, you have it. Where are you? Oh, bear with me one second. It is loading up. All right. So anger in Greece over poor railway safety grew on Thursday as authorities released audio in which a train driver involved in one of the country's worst train crashes in recent years was told to ignore a red light. Tarred debris, the remnants of a disaster that could have been avoided. And now, this. Proceed through red traffic light, accidental traffic light entry of Neon Poron. Vasilis, am I good to go? Go, go. Done. Have a good night. Have a good trip. An audio recording of the station master in Larissa ordering one of the train drivers involved in the deadly collision to ignore a red light warning. The country's prime minister has described the collision as the product of tragic human error. The station master heard in that recording, now detained, charged with causing mass deaths and grievous bodily harm through negligence. That negligence has, of course, come with devastating consequences. You can see behind me the emergency response team still working to clear the wreckage, still working to try to recover bodies. But in the most tragic of cases, there is only DNA left to identify some of the victims. And for those involved in the recovery effort, it is a deeply difficult process. Instead of saving lives, we have to recover bodies. It is not something we like, it is not something we want to do, and it is something that will remain in our memory forever as much as we try to get rid of it. 
The tragedy has sparked anger across the country. Protesters seen here clashing with police officers in Athens. The country's transport minister has since tendered his resignation, conceding on Wednesday that the country's rail network is simply not up to the standard one would expect in the 21st century. And as recovery efforts draw to a close, questions over accountability and frustration towards the government are only growing. Neda Bashir, CNN, Entebbe, Greece. Oh boy, thank God for recordings, huh? You can hear the truth because you can't um, deny it. G20 talks end in India without consensus on Ukraine war. Story courtesy of the Associated Press. A meeting of top diplomats at the group of G20 industrialized and developing nations ended on Thursday in New Delhi without a consensus on the Ukraine war. India's foreign minister said as members grappled with deepening rifts in their ranks and held contentious talks dominated by Russia's war and China's moves to boost its global influence. Uh, Jashankar said there were divergences on the issue of war in Ukraine, which we could not reconcile as various parties held differing views. Host India had appealed for all members of the fractured group of 20 to reach consensus on issues of deep concern to poorer countries, even if the broader East-West split over Ukraine could not be resolved. And while others, including U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, chose to highlight their positive roles in addressing world crisis, the divide was palpable. Next up, courtesy of CNN Politics, two Americans arrested for allegedly sending aviation technology to Russia. Two U.S. nationals were arrested in Kansas City on Thursday. Cyril Gregory, 59, and Douglas Robertson, 55, are facing several charges, including exporting controlled goods without a license, falsifying and failing to file electronic export information, and smuggling goods contrary to U.S. law. Their arrest is the most recent move by the Justice Department's task force club to capture, made up of federal prosecutors, investigators, and analysts, which has worked for the past year to wage a global campaign against money laundering and sanctions evasion in support of the Russian government. Its work has resulted in over 30 indictments against sanctioned supporters of the Kremlin and Russian military, according to the Justice Department. The two men's U.S.-based Canaros trading company sold and installed Western electronic equipment for airplanes, that's according to prosecutors, and allegedly sold equipment to Russian companies and provided repair services for Russian aircrafts. To get around U.S. sanctions, prosecutors said that they both concealed who their clients were, lied about how much products cost, and were paid through foreign bank accounts. Oh boy, that was a foolish move on both y'all's parts. South Korea, U.S. to hold joint military drills despite North Korea warning. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera. South Korea and the United States will press ahead with large-scale military drills later this month, despite North Korea threatening to take unprecedentedly 
strong action against such exercises. The South Korean and U.S. militaries will conduct military exercises from March 13 to 23 to strengthen their combined defensive capabilities, the two militaries said in a statement on Friday. The exercises mark the longest edition of the exercises dubbed Freedom Shield, which according to South Korea's news agency will involve a joint computer simulation command post exercise that runs concurrently with a field training exercise called Warrior Shield. Honest oh, no, provoke North Korea. Please, 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 please. Well, uh Macron says the era of French interference in Africa is over. Story also courtesy of Al Jazeera. President Emmanuel Macron has said the era of French interference in Africa was well over as he began a four-nation tour of the continent to renew frayed ties. Anti-French sentiment has run high in some former African colonies as the continent has become a renewed diplomatic battleground with Russian and Chinese influence growing in the region. Macron said France harbored no desire to return to past policies of interfering in Africa before an environment summit in Gabon, the first leg of his trip. The age of uh, Franc-Afrique is well over, Macron said in remarks to the French community in the capital, Libreville, referring to France's post-colonization strategy of supporting authoritarian leaders to defend its interest and next up the duke and duchess of sussex have been asked to vacate uk home frogmore cottage story courtesy of the of cnn via wsbn so the duke and duchess of sussex have been asked to vacate frogmore cottage the couple's official uk residence their spokesperson said on Wednesday when speaking with CNN. We can confirm the Duke and Duchess of Sussex have been requested to vacate their residence at Frogmore Cottage. The statement followed a report in British newspaper The Sun that claimed the pair were being evicted from the property which is owned by the Crown Estate and that it had since been offered to Prince Andrew, one of King Charles III's brothers. Buckingham Palace said Wednesday it would be offering no comment. A royal source told CNN that any such discussions would be a private family matter. Prince Harry and Meghan now reside in the United States but had retained the early 19th century property as their UK base. Gifted to the Sussexes by the late QE2, the cottage is nestled in a corner of the Windsor estate west of London. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) What kind of bad? Listen. The royal family has gone mad. What you all say over there, Teflon, proper mad. (laughs) You know what? At this point, I will say to Prince Harry and Meghan, just drop the prince from in front of it. Drop the duke. Drop the duchess. Drop the titles. Just become regular citizens of society. Might as well. (laughs) You've been booted (laughs) Sorry, Lord have mercy. Oh gosh, I should not be laughing, but this is um <laughs> No, is this the right thing for Charles to do to them though? On a serious note, this is your son. Forget the whole are are you more concerned about the monarchy than you are about your child? 
and your grandchild, your grandchildren rather? I don't think that's right, what he's doing. And his grandma gave him, I mean, gave them that place. You know, I don't think it's right what Charles is doing. There's no wrong or right, man. He's king. <laughs> no, but there has to be... So you have to have some sort of scruples when... It's it's your child. And you said he's going to give it to his brother? He's going to give it to him, brother. Charles full of crap. He look like crap. <laughs> the king. He look like crap. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Not, not my king, Dre. So, probably... The, the king has spoken... <laughs> This is what happened when when, when 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 people continue with this fairy tale of this king and queen. And I don't know why England keep up the charade, but hey. <laughs> no matter what me not kick out my opinion, no, even if he goes against the principles of the monarchy and the policies of the monarchy, my child is my child. He's not going anywhere. All on a going wither and shrivel. light of a very serious situation so how do you go forward as a family on a serious note how do you go forward as a family hmm? if your father your father was to put you out how would you look at your father again Crystal said, King Charles over there said to himself, what would mommy do? Mama? <laughs> he should have gone to the graveside, you know, dusted the spiders, put them to the left. Mama, I need to talk to you. What am I to do? Should I put him out? Because my birthless brother needs somewhere to live. <laughs> oh, God! Let me tell you something. These royals, they've all of them want to put it on one barrel and roll down one hill. Right into the ocean. So, if they have an extra bedroom and not a big palace, the film brother, could I get it? Oh, no. We're out of space. We don't have the space here. Huh? But uh, the, uh, does him and his wife live there? Plus the staff? <laughs> Even the staff have a place with it. <laughs> Poor arrogant. Get out. Julie said, not to mention Andrew was on Epstein Island. <laughs> oh, uh. <laughs> He gets to stay and Harry is asked to leave. Julie, no, you didn't. We take all sexual predators, but you got to go, my boy. <laughs> he can't stay here. Damn. My girl, you turned the people in family upside down, my girl. <laughs> You 
walk turned around upside down. Get a black woman to do it. Mm -hmm. We know how to make things happen. <laughs> Lord forgive me. You know what? Oh, London, I have nothing for her to know over there that England. Um, I call for the crumbling of the monarchy. I call for the doing away of the monarchy. Take the money and give it back to everybody who I cry for them reparations and let's keep it moving. Your time is up, monarchy, because along with King Charles will die out the generation that um, worships them and holds them in high esteem, regardless of all the history that you know they have with them. So I say do away with the monarchy. Once Charles dead, kill it. Done with it over and out make everybody go look at work everybody go look at work that's all i to say um <laughs> lord of mercy if i laugh i'm dead problem in the palace oh, it's ever now. there is savannah singing haul and pull <laughs> literally Think about the way we walk each Toward destruction we ignore the signs Things we say and do they are Got your girlfriend coming up, Teflon. Your ex-girl. Thank you to everyone listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. Thank you to everyone on JohnnoRadio.com, non-stop party station. And thank you, Clubhouse. What would I do without you? Coming up after the music break, we have stories out of North America. like this one very much so you know what that means gotta pull up <laughs> come on Jensia sing for me like a seed in the soil you just haven't grown yet the power you hold 
You don't even know yet But baby I know To lead is your purpose It's deep in your bones Of this I am certain You fight with the noise in your head Got a lot of weight on your chest It'll be right in the morning Right come morning Right come morning And if we are paying homage to the queens of reggae music, you know, we have to acknowledge this queen right here. One of the members of the I3s. But not only that, she was also wife to the king of reggae. Yes, Rita, come on through. Let's go ahead and get high on life. It is Women's History Month. Come Monday, we're going to be honoring Calypso Rose and her role in Calypso music. Throughout the month, we're also going to be talking about the great achievements of women. Many we may know, some we may have never heard about, but all instrumental in their roles. It's an all-female playlist today, the queens of reggae. Easing you into the weekend nice and slow. Just build up a vibe. You got that something special about your child. About your child. 
Who knows whose voice this is? I'm a sign even throughout the storm. You show me love that's beyond the norm. The kind of love for your gear and you born. I love you. All of your qualities, all your virtues. You're my person I can turn to. Voice of Wayne Marshall alongside Tess Sanchez. And from one Chinita to another, and then we get back to business. Coming up later on, we do have some brick and lace, some more coffee, Queen Africa, and Jada Kingdom. It's later on. CJ Teflon, where have you been? We have been playing coffee and we have more of her coming up. They boy blend peanut, punch and banana With all roots, magnum and cassava And I tell me how much him I go harder And how much me I go Come on Teflon, pay attention, pay attention What a way, what a way The tears <laughs> turn when me buck him one away Me boom flick and everybody start shake So him find out me a girl when I play Never know Set me with a wicked in a bed Set me with a wicked in a bed Never know Send me would be mashing up your head Send me would be mashing up your head You want to the look on him face When me pop up on my head oh, A big thank you once again to everyone Logged on and listening in On the QMZRadio.com The Quality Music Zone As well as JohnNoRadio.com Thank you so much Wherever you are in the world We appreciate you Thank you so much to everyone Right here with me on Clubhouse Where the conversation happens I appreciate you him never know me while when me bubble pan that Now him all a ball bone muscle contract Him did a post big time and we must do la And we must go to me like nobody else could a I chew him up me as a little brown sugar Never know my wicked and my bad soul Never know Send me who that wicked in a bed Send me who that wicked in a bed Never know Send me who be mashing up your head Send me who be mashing up your head It's always those innocent looking ones And the ones who don't talk much that do the most damage <laughs> all right folks it's time for us to go ahead and get back to business stories out of north america policeman fatally i'm sorry the police are reporting a man fatally shot his three-year-old son and himself inside a coconut grove a condo in miami florida story courtesy of wsvn Police are investigating a murder-suicide inside an upscale Coconut Grove condominium that they said involved a man and his three-year-old son. According to City of Miami Police, a family member called officers to the Grove at Grand Bay Condo, located at 2669 Bayshore Drive, just before 8 p.m. on Wednesday. The concerned family member contacted police to perform a welfare check for 53-year-old Jose Manuel Gonzalez Destino and 3-year-old Jose Manuel Gonzalez, who lived in the unit. The family member even suggested that police break down the door of Gonzalez Destino's 19th floor unit, but when authorities did not, they took matters into their own hands. Police later confirmed that confirmed the Gonzalez Testino and Testino were father and son. On Thursday morning, several police officers, detectives, crime scene investigators, and even a chaplain from the police department 
were at the scene as they continued to investigate the incident. While police have not specified what may have prompted the killing, Testino was likely headed to prison. In May 2019, he pleaded guilty to foreign bribery charges connected to a scheme involving a Venezuelan state-owned and controlled oil company. His sentencing was getting pushed back, but according to court documents, it was finally set to take place on March 24. Detectives are asking residents at the condo to call Miami police with any information that may have led to this incident. Woo! Damn, man, you kill your own picnic tree, you're old, and then you take your life? Where's this child's mother? Why never get a picnic to the rel- a relative or something and then deal with yourself? Okay, you don't want to be around, fine, but why are you going to take somebody with you? I can never understand. Why do they have to take somebody with them? A three-year-old. Sorry, I'm so sorry. That's, that's just crazy, though. You did the crime. The child didn't do anything. Just go do the time and, and you know, let the child go somewhere else. You know, are you not sure what kind of time they was going to give you? Maybe, couple, I don't know what, you know, they probably gave you a couple of years. Um, possibly able to come out, you know, give the child a chance. That's just crazy. Wow. Oh, boy. So what crime did he commit? Uh, the crime he committed in 2019, he pleaded guilty to foreign bribery charges connected to a scheme involving a Venezuelan state-owned and controlled oil company. That's all they've listed for us. You probably wouldn't get no time for that. Hmm. Okay. Because a lot of the um, police in America, they don't really, they don't really throw the book at them, do they? They always get off easy, even when they, even when they, um, when they, when they kill someone. No, hold on. Who? He's not a police officer, you know. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, no, he's not a police officer. The police are reporting. I started it off wrong, and I corrected myself. I'm so sorry. Yeah, he's not a police officer. The police, uh, you know. But um, what's the worst that could have happened if he was charged with anything? He gets extradited. Uh, well, if that's if he's from Venezuela, I don't know. Um, if he's a native, if he was born here in the U.S., I can't say. But right now, I'm gonna really care about him. At a three-year-old Pitney Wyman got killed. Well, no, the the jails over there are really dangerous, like so. <laughs> So he's better off. But it's still not justified, though. Right, right. Yeah, yeah this is just cruel. But, but I kind of see why why he killed himself. But here's the other question. Let me ask this question, though. Here, here's something that I'm, I'm a little concerned about. As a family member, if I'm standing up outside an apartment complex or a building, and I'm asking you to break the door down for me, why can't you do it for me? I'm there. It's not as though you're there to serve a warrant or anything. I am physically there. I know that um, in the past, wellness checks have gone wrong. But I, the family member, I am there. Why can't you help me out? 
because they asked the police to break the door down and they said that they can't do it. So the family had to take matters into their own hands. No police, no, from my understanding, no police department can do that. Um, you're not the owner of the home or the residence. You're not the primary person there. So, you know, they, um, they only show up when a crime has been committed, truly. They can only act when a crime has been committed. Right now, it's speculation. Mm. So, Crystal, in other words, let us say they came to the door and they heard a gunshot. They would be then, at that point, be able to break the door down? Yes. Okay. That's they're tough. Probably, they're probably trying to avoid uh, criminal damage. Maybe that's why they wanted the police to do it. But, <sighs> but, but, but me personally, I would break it down. Even if the police was there, I would, so, I would break it down. This is crazy, Teflon. I, I feel it's a three-year-old. I think, I, I, I think like most of the times, you, you go with like natural instincts. Like the first thing that comes to your mind, the first reaction that that come. And it, it depends. Some people have different reactions. So, I mean, my reaction is I'll kick the door down. I don't care who, who's there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Um. All right. Jury quickly finds Murdoff guilty of murder of wife and son. And, of course, he'll be facing life in prison as a result. That's the new update. He gets life in prison for the murder of wife and son, courtesy of the Associated Press. In the culmination of the once prominent lawyer's fall from grace, Alex Murdoff was sentenced to life in prison without parole on Friday after being convicted of murdering his wife and son. Judge Clifton Newman asked Murdoff if he had anything he wanted to say before sentencing, uh, sentencing him to two consecutive life terms, and the South Carolina attorney maintained his innocence. He said, as I tell you again, I respect this court, but I am innocent. I would never under any circumstances hurt my wife Maggie, and I would never under any circumstances hurt my son Paul Paul. And it might not have been you, it might have been the monster you became when you take 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 opioid pills. Maybe you became another person, the judge replied, noting Murdoff's decades-long addiction to painkillers. Newman asked Murdoff what he meant when he said, oh, what a tangled web we weave while on the stand in his own defense. Murdoff said, I meant when I lied, I continued to lie. And the question is, when will it end? You continue to lie and lie throughout your testimony. Well, Gwanga Sedong, my friend, can I help you? A Maryland mayor has been arrested on more than not one, not five, not even 10, 50 counts of child pornography. Story courtesy of NPR.org. Former College Park, Maryland, Mayor Patrick Wojan was arrested on Thursday on several charges of uh, child pornography. The Prince George's County Police Department was notified by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children on February 17 that there was a social media account in the county posting child pornography and police tracked it back to Wojan, who is 47. 
The officers carried out a search warrant on Tuesday and recovered a tablet, computer and storage device and multiple cell phones from Wojan's home. Wojan, who was on the College Park City Council and has been the mayor of the city since 2015, was charged with 16 counts of distributing child pornography and 14 counts of possessing it. He resigned on Thursday. On February 28, 2023, a search warrant was executed on my residence as part of an ongoing police investigation, he said in his letter. I have cooperated fully and will continue to cooperate with law enforcement. While this investigation does not involve any official city business of any kind, it is in the best interests of our community that I step aside and not serve as a distraction. Stepping away to deal with my own mental health I almost cursed. I almost cursed. I almost cursed. Why are you playing the mental health card? The mental health card is why you sit down and look on the pit of them 50 times. No, we'll take this mental health card really too far now. We just a draw fee time for every uh, everything. Well, damn it, the whole damn world is mentally disturbed. Every single one of it. Because that's the easy go-to. You are being accused of 50 counts of child pornography. And you're going to talk about stepping away to deal with my own mental health. Spanish, just shut your box across your face. You didn't have mental health while you were carrying out your, the city's official business, did he? No. But all of a sudden, now you have mental health issues because you get catch. Let me tell you something. On a sickening man, stop using mental health. There are people out there with genuine mental health concerns. And unfortunately, when idiots like you keep carrying using the card um, irresponsibly, then we start to look at everybody as not being serious. We, we overlook those who truly need help. You were okay to carry out the city's business. You were okay to hold the office. You were okay to run and campaign so that you could have been um, the winner of the office. So you did all of that with the hope that you could um, use that to cover up your dirty deeds. Because I'm not going to look by you. You're, you're, you're looked at as well-respected. 50 counts of child pornography. I know you're going to talk about, about I'm stepping away to deal with my own mental health. Oh, them deal with you in a jail. That's all I I really hope they deal with you properly in jail. I don't feel sorry for you. You don't have any mental health issues. You're just sick. I'm a done talk. Sorry. How grief, grief. Yeah. How do we evaluate these people that we're putting in public office? There has to be something we can do. 
can they go through it's, you know kind of like when you have to do what will you call the test for them wrap put your pan when them want see if you tell like what a test call again and then hook you up to the machine the polygraph yes that we need something like that where you where you hook them up before any government official anyone is allowed into positions of leadership whether corporate or public service them have to hook you up and take the you take a polygraph test and you answer certain questions and depending on how you answer it will trigger the whatever you call the machine and you know we say hum, 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 put that one to the side we're going to have to scrutinize this one a little more wasn't it just a couple of weeks ago we had the one that pulled up near to the um, playground and was relieving himself no care in the world so come on man i think that we need something like that teflon they have to have a polygraph test that will allow us to determine if you are fit for the position especially to serve as a public official They need to just lock you up and throw away the key. Texas lawmakers are trying to make district attorneys prosecute anti-abortion law violations as crimes. Brett Jaspers with KERA reports. Officials at all levels of government have long acknowledged prosecutors are... Hold on a second. I'm sorry to have to stop. I, I just checked the chat. My apologies. So Elle said it isn't admissible. It's flawed. I forgot about that part. I guess I'm so angry about the fact that, you know, here we have a male with 50 counts of child pornography against him. And Geely said that's why a lot of them take office to do their dirty crimes in broad daylight. <sighs> you know what? Let me go back to this story. Let, let me breathe in, breathe out, as Teflon said. These Texas DAs refused to prosecute um, abortion. Microsoft's chatbot has gone rogue. Ooh, it's professing sorry. love to some sorry. users. It's our wrong one, wrong file. Texas lawmakers are trying to make district attorneys prosecute anti-abortion law violations as crimes. Brett Jaspers with KERA reports. Officials at all levels of government have long acknowledged prosecutors are constantly making judgment calls. Discretion is part of the job, as it is for police officers, judges, and other law enforcement. Then the U.S. Supreme Court eliminated federal abortion rights. Dozens of elected county prosecutors swiftly declared they'd use their discretion to not pursue abortion crimes. I will never prosecute a doctor, a nurse, or a woman for exercising their right to choose. That's Ryan Mears from Indianapolis. Here's Sherry Boston from DeKalb County, Georgia. I am stating unequivocally that I'm going to use that same discretion not to prosecute these types of criminal offenses. And in Texas, Jose Garza in Austin. I don't want women who live in our community suffering or dying at home because they're too scared to go to the doctor. But the stance of prosecutors in large Texas cities soon raised the ire of conservative state lawmakers. State Representative David Cook is a Republican from the Fort Worth area. As a district attorney, you have a job which entails looking at all the cases that are brought in and judging each case on a case-by-case -case basis. And so if you're making blanket statements and giving blanket immunity, then you're not doing your job. 
Now Cook has proposed a bill to ban district attorneys from having a policy, written or not, that limits the enforcement of any particular offense. The bill would set financial penalties and create a process for removing the prosecutor from office. It's one of many bills aimed at curbing local DAs. Several big city prosecutors in Texas are reluctant to talk about the legislation and declined interviews, but DA Mark Gonzalez of Nueces County in South Texas is talking. He said the announcement to not pursue abortion cases cases may have been too hasty. The statement may have been the straw that broke the camel's back. It'd be smarter for us to move in silence. And I think that may have been something we didn't accomplish. Gonzalez is facing an unrelated effort to remove him from office and has said he won't run for re-election. He sees the proposed legislation as part of a backlash against a more progressive approach to the criminal justice system. No one was thinking of these things 10 years ago before a few guys got elected who maybe thought there were some issues that were wrong with the criminal justice system. There are. Similar power struggles are playing out nationally. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis removed an elected Democratic prosecutor from office last year, claiming he didn't pursue certain crimes. Illinois' governor, a Democrat, recently said county sheriffs won't be in their job if they don't enforce a new requirement that owners of semi-automatic rifles register them. There isn't just an interesting philosophical debate about where power should rest. Ann Bowman is a professor at Texas A&M. She said a state can make it more difficult for a county with what it mandates. There are all kinds of preemptions there that weren't there before. It's really a matter of basically a state wanting to control what's going on at the local level. Yet not every local official gets blowback for bucking the state. Early in the COVID-19 pandemic, a group of Texas sheriffs refused to enforce the governor's mask mandate. Yet there was no proposal to make them follow that law. Experts say that's because sheriffs align more with the conservative leadership of the state. State Representative David Cook, however, said he's open to reining them in. Here he is again. I have not filed a bill in that regard, but uh, I certainly would not rule it out. For the moment, though, bills targeting county district attorneys are what's on offer. The statewide association for DAs has told its members to take the proposals very seriously. For NPR News, I'm Brett Jaspers in Dallas. <sighs> when they're going to leave us alone, that's all I want to know. When? Julie said, oh, hold on. Hold on a second, Julie. Matt Gates has similar charges, but nothing was done. Forgot about him. He's on the House of Representatives. But, Geely, why are we surprised that nothing is done? Let's be realistic. History. You know, if we go back in history, we can see why nothing has ever been done or nothing isn't done. But are we demanding that something be done? And this is why I'm saying that we need to go back pull these law books off the shelves and the laws have to be rewritten. They are antique and they're, you know what? Let me keep it moving for the sake of sanity. For the sake of sanity, I'll just keep it moving because, you know, they have a saying in Jamaica, Jackass say the world is not level, meaning things are never equal for everyone. All right, never.
And it is time for business and tech news. Nordstrom lovers who live in Canada. Nordstrom says it's going to close Canadian stores and cut 2,500 jobs. Story courtesy of NPR.org. Nordstrom Inc. announced on Thursday it is closing all of its Canadian stores and cutting 2,500 jobs as it winds down operations in the country. The Seattle-based retailer has six Nordstrom and seven Nordstrom rack stores in Canada, which will be shuttered by late June. Its e-commerce business will cease operations on Thursday. Nordstrom Chief Executive Eric Nordstrom said the company is exiting Canada because it does not see a realistic path to profitability for the business in the country. The wind-down is being done through an order obtained by the Ontario Superior Court of Justice under the company's Creditors' Arrangement Act. Nordstrom first announced plans to expand in Canada in 2012 and opened its first store in Calgary at CF Chinook Centre in September 2014. Wow. So sorry that so many people are going to be out of a job. It's never the desirable outcome. No, such a pity. They're locking shop. All right, folks. Hey, I was going to say quickly on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, American businesses, especially the large conglomerates, don't do well in the Canadian market. Uh, Only one that has succeeded so far is Walmart. Target tried and they had to leave. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they do not go in there and assess how Canadians like shop and they don't really do those like large department stores. They might go to a mall, but they really don't shop inside the like Nordstrom's or Target and stuff like that. Oh, I wasn't aware. Mm-hmm. But L, you would think that a company of that size would have the, the resources to ensure that proper research is done before you embark on such a feat no no they don't they just think that every just like anywhere else in the world they base it on the american market if it works in america they think it's going to work anywhere Mm, yeah and since america and north america are the same and it's not like they are like a um a shopping place like how america is it's just not going to work I mean, little boutique stores like Hermes and Gucci and those little things do well because they're in the mall or they have like their only little shopping. But Canadians don't shop like that. Mm, Interesting. I mean, they shop, but not in the way not they they don't shop the way how Nordstrom's is set up. Okay. And of course, Virginia lives in Canada and she's totally agreeing with everything you're saying. Wow. Behavior. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah, behavior. They don't go in and do, like, behavior and stuff. That's why Google failed in Canada as well. Get out of here. How can Google, behavioral analysis, that's the correct term. That that wasn't done. Google failed in Canada. Yeah, Google Streets. They were trying to attempt to do Google City, and it was a bunch of stuff with data and stuff like that. But, again, they don't do climate, re- like, um, behavioral and, uh, like, just they don't do the necessary research that they need to do to succeed. Yeah. Wow. And uh, one department every company should have is R&D, research and development. And that works in in close um, contact with marketing. It does, but it's only for like new devices, new products. They'll do like light stuff. Uh, They don't do a large enough sample pool. So I guess they don't learn from their predecessors or from 
there are. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I would tell them definitely Google doesn't. They have more failed products than they do uh, uh, ones that uh, actually succeeded. Wow. Interesting. Oh, boy. It's, it's, it sounds like arrogance just because they're on a the big scale. They, they assume that they're going to win. I think it's arrogance. You're right, you know, Teflon. You're right. If I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. I have built a name for myself. I am a household name. Everybody goes to Target, so why won't you come to me when I set up shop in your country? You're absolutely right. It's a lesson in humility. Yeah. And do your work. Because if I were the owner, well, you know what? Let me not say it. But if I were the owner, I am going to dot my I's, cross my T's. You're going to bring me all the research that you have done to make sure that I'm not making any mistakes. You know, I don't know. But here, folks, listen. Me kono payment dem pan time. I beg no do. Me I beg no do. Don't miss no payment because other companies I'm sure are going to buy in on this. Ford applies for patent allowing vehicles to self repossess. Mm -hmm. No more hiding that car in somebody's garage, taking it to your friend and say, Hola, this for me. Uh uh, them days are going to be over, folks. Coming, it's coming. And an American automaker applied for a patent to begin designs on a repossession system for people who do not make their car payments on time. And you don't want to know what's going through my head right now. Ford Global Technologies filed a patent application on August 2020-21 and on February 23. The patent was formally published but remains pending. The patent application describes new methods to repossess a vehicle. The new system would let Ford vehicles drive themselves to repo lots if customers make late payments on their cars. Ford consumers would be disabled from features like GPS, air conditioning, and the radio before the car drives itself to a tow garage. The system would also have the ability to take vehicles to the junkyard if the value of the car is too low based on mileage and other factors. Several Ford engineers took on the task of designing the new invention. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Can you imagine you're in the car doing, you know, handling your business, you and your partner, and the car. <laughs> yeah, that's technology. I'm sorry, go ahead, Ellen Dundry. Yeah, that's not going to succeed. There's going to be, there's private, I already can see it now, there's going to be privacy issues. Uh, not to mention safety issues. That's not going to succeed. And who are you to tell? How who are you to send someone's car to the junkyard? Like that's not going to succeed. It'll have to go through the state first. Yeah, it's cool technology, but it's not going to be fully implemented. I hope not. I hope not. L. Dre, Dre said no AC. Dre, go ahead and then Tefla. Dre, where are you? No, nah, no, nah, I was just saying, you know, they, they start taking away features by features, like no GPS, then no AC. I'm like, no AC, Jano Star. Most people use their phones anyway. So the whole GPS thing, I mean, it's a cool feature. But I mean, I still use my phone because my I have a Volvo 2020, but sometimes the maps don't update like they should. 
So, you know, why not use Google and stuff? And some of the four cards don't even have, um, was it AirPlay or CarPlay? So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Remember the other day we spoke about um, the subscription? Yes, like, yes, yes. Man, who, who, who wanna, who's, you don't have to lock yourself into a finance anymore. Exactly. So, you know, there's so many options out there now, like, you know still leasing is there and then they have the subscription you don't have to lock yourself into anything yeah so yeah, no. yeah. Uh, let, let, let's see what happened with them because there's competition out there thank you Drake. go ahead teflon go right ahead now when you started the story out I, I thought it was going to be um a thing where the car will stop working if if, if you um like if you're behind payments, that's, that's what I thought. I thought he was going. That's why I thought he was going with that. Yeah. But yeah, but this whole thing it reminds me of that film. I don't. I can't remember the name of it. I think it's called Repo. Is it Repo Men? <laughs> Where you remember? Have you, I don't know if you no, guys I've have seen, seen it. it. I'm just <laughs> laughing at the idea. <laughs> Repo Men. So if you if you buy something on like if you buy a heart on finance, they'll come and get it. If you don't pay up, come and get it. If you if you don't pay if you don't pay for your vehicle, everything just seizes up, everything shuts down, and they will come and pick it up. Okay. I think they I, I, I think they're going to go that way. I think they're going to go to that direction. But this this particular article, I don't as Elle said, I don't think it's going to work. But it doesn't hold on there, Teflon. Hold on, hold, hold on a second. Hold on now. Let's back up a second here. Last year, there was a story that came out. I think BMW has the feature where they can shut off certain things in your vehicle if you're not making your payments if i'm not i'm gonna go back and dig the yeah, story that, up i yeah, think yeah, bmw yeah, has that, it yeah that one makes more sense yeah and it's easy and it's easily done with the teflon where are you or is it me tech, the car text is easy yeah, it might be allowed in certain countries, maybe in Europe and stuff like that. But I thought when you said self-repossession, I thought that they would give the individual the opportunity to just turn in their car. Like if they can't make pay payments without being penalized so heavily, because a lot of times the since the loan isn't with the bank or whatever like that. That's why I don't understand why Ford is doing this. They should allow people to turn it in and not, you know, because they still make money on the car. Like, you oh, know. yeah. Yeah, because if the car is worth 50, you've paid like 30 on it. They're still going to sell it for like 40, whatever the the real value is. And you're still stuck with the 30K payment. Facts. So I thought when you said self-repossession, that it was going to help them wipe off the debt, which would be helpful. Mm -mm. But of course. Mm -mm. But and here's the thing, folks, in case you don't know. If you do a, what it's called voluntary repossession, where you turn the vehicle back in, let us say you've had some life changing um, situation. For example, you've lost a partner, you've gone through a divorce, lost your job. It doesn't matter. It still shows up on your credit as a repossession. And, and that is true. Yes. Uh, it happened to me with my husband. He had a BMW that was like 60K. And when he passed away, he had just bought it. I took it back to the dealership. They took the car, but I was still stuck with 60K. Right. Yep. And you are you are absolutely right, L. They turn around, they sell the vehicle. Let us say the you as she pointed out, let's say you purchased the vehicle for twenty thousand, you have say five thousand left to pay on this vehicle. 
and uh, evaluation is done and the, va the, the vehicle is valued at, say, um, $10,000, they are going to sell it for the $10,000 and still stick you with the 5,000 deficit, they're not going to say, okay, you know what? You owed 5,000. We're going to pay off the 5,000. Series of different. Nah, them, nah, that. Or let's just wipe it off. Oh, they're not doing that. They're sticking you with that. They're sticking it on your credit. You are still in responsible for that, which I think is grossly wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It's wicked. I understand it's business, but it's wrong. And I want you all to understand, these vehicles are covered by lenders insurance too. So they never lose it. They're not losing. Them too wicked. Virginia said, yep, this happened to me with my second car. Yep, it happens. You know, I'm gone. White House releases ambitious cyber strategy calling for more regulation of vulnerable sectors. Story courtesy of CNN. The White House on Thursday released an ambitious national cybersecurity strategy that calls for new federal regulation of vulnerable critical infrastructure firms and for software makers to be held liable when their products leave gaping holes for hackers to exploit. The strategy, shaped by major hacking incidents that threatened key public services in the first year of the Biden administration, embraces the U.S. government's regulatory and purchasing power to force companies that are critical to economic and national security to raise their cyber defenses. It reflects a widely held belief in the U.S. government that market forces have failed to keep the nation safe from cyber criminals and an array of foreign governments such as Russia and China. We have to drive the entire ecosystem to be more cyber vigilant. And that's according to Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas in an interview with CNN on Thursday. ExxonMobil hmm, sued after a black employee allegedly discovered a noose at work. It was the fifth at the same facility, story courtesy of CNN Business. Exxon was aware of multiple complaints of hangman's nooses on display at its Baton Rouge, Louisiana complex, but the oil company failed to properly investigate the incidents or take action to prevent them from happening again which they did. According to a lawsuit filed on Thursday by the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC alleges that in January 2020, a black employee at Exxon, XOM Mobile's Baton Rouge chemical plant, found a noose at his work site and reported it to the company. At that time, Exxon, XOM, was aware of three other nooses that had been displayed on the campus, which includes a chemical plant and a nearby refinery. The company failed to investigate each event and did not do enough to prevent further incidents, the EEOC alleges. In December 2020, a fifth noose was reported at the complex. A noose is a long-standing symbol of violence associated with the lynching of African-Americans, and that's according to Elizabeth Owen, a senior trial attorney in the EEOC's New Orleans field office. In a statement, she said such symbols are inherently threatening and significantly alter the workplace environment 
for black Americans. The EEOC said Exxon violated the law because of its lack of proper action. The commission said Exxon created a racially hostile environment for its employees. When employers become aware of racially offensive or threatening conduct in the workplace, they have a legal obligation to take prompt remedial action aimed at stopping it. And that's according to Rudy Sustatia, regional attorney for the EEOC's Houston District Office. Shame on you, Exxon. Shame on you. Shame. Why didn't you listen? So now you're going to get sued. I hope you are sued a hefty sum. No pian pian or little bit of money. I hope they get millions. It should be. I hope it's a multi-million dollar lawsuit. You're going to learn today. FDA has new leverage over companies looking for a quicker drug approval. Uh, we do have this story courtesy of NPR. And of course, now it's time for health and science news. After years of criticism, the Food and Drug Administration is getting new tools to hold drug companies accountable when it comes to speedy approval of their medicines. NPR's pharmaceuticals correspondent Sidney Lupkin reports the agency has yet to show how it will put its new leverage to use. The huge spending bill that became law last December also included fixes to a problem that has dogged the FDA for years. Drug makers could get fast approval for certain drugs with preliminary data on the promise that they would do more research after the fact to make sure the drugs worked. But companies were often slow to follow through on these so-called accelerated approvals, leaving patients and doctors uncertain about their medicines. Will the FDA now force drug companies to start their studies on time? I asked Robin Feldman, a professor at the University of California College of the Law, San Francisco. This essentially strengthens their hand. However, <laughs> um, just because the FDA has the power doesn't mean it's going to use it. There have been times when the FDA has had powers but neglected to use them. Conversely, the agency has also attempted to put its foot down, gotten sued by drug makers, and lost. She says the new law can come in handy if a drug company tries to push back on an FDA decision. The FDA wouldn't say whether it's doing anything differently on accelerated approvals other than that it's working on a plan to implement the new law. Here's Feldman again. Generally, these are discretionary rather than mandatory. In other words, um, it allows the FDA to do things, but doesn't require the FDA to do things. You know, that's a big difference. We should note that the COVID vaccines were not granted this kind of approval, but accelerated approvals do apply to more than 100 drugs approved to treat cancer, HIV, preterm birth, and more over the last three decades. An NPR investigation last year found that many of the promised confirmatory studies are delayed, sometimes for years. The new law allows the FDA to require companies to start confirmatory studies before it grants accelerated approval, something the agency told me last year it didn't have the authority to do. Here's Dr. Reshma Ramachandran of Yale. School of Medicine who pushed for the fix. We wanted that to be like codified in legislation. So that wouldn't be an exception. That would just be the rule. And I think FDA, you know, also made very clear and they put out a piece in New England Journal of Medicine showing that when that happens, that prevents um, significant delays for starting the trials, but he's also completing the trials. The law may also make it easier for the agency to take drugs off the market if studies find the drug is not effective. 
Here's Dr. Aaron Kesselheim, a professor of medicine at Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School. When a drug is given accelerated approval and then that confirmatory study fails, that's really an, an important finding that indicates that that drug does not have the same level of, of effectiveness that we expect of other approved drugs. And there is no reason for that drug to remain on the market at that point. In addition, the law creates new transparency requirements and a council to get everyone at the FDA on the same page about how this kind of approval should be used. Still, Kesselheim says the changes may not be enough. The final language was not as airtight as it could be, you know, so I do think that there is wiggle room. So the rules may need to be tightened again in the future. Sydney Lupkin, NPR News. If some. Uh, uh, hold on a second. She said something, and I want to go back to that. And I want to, I know I'm not hearing doubles, right? The COVID 19 vaccines were not granted this kind of approval. Are they sure about that? They, yeah, they weren't granted a speedy approval. That's true because they it took longer and stuff. Because I remember everybody was asking, where's the vaccine? And they didn't have it yet. It took a while for it to come out. But, L, I question that, and here is why I question that. Typically, vaccines take how long to manufacture, right? And when you manufacture them, you have to put them through the testing phase, the, you know, and then after that, they get distributed, right? But the, vac- the, the, the COVID-19 came upon us. Well, it was in 19, and there's a reason why it's called COVID-19, 2019. But in the U.S., 2020, and within months, we had a vaccine available. How is then that not? Something is off there. The math is a math thing for me. There's, um, there's, there's hold hold on. Doctors. Go ahead. Go ahead, um, Teflon. Go ahead. There's a, there's, there's a few doctors on Clubhouse. Um, they, they used to have these discussions every day. So they were saying that the vaccine was actually um, created. They started creating it like 10 years ago. That's what I reckon, but I still think it's lies. You know, <laughs> you know, it's all I lies. mean, it makes sense because so 19 is the year that it comes out. So every year, because COVID has been around actually longer mm-hmm. than we actually know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a while because a new strand comes out every year. There's 20, 21, just like the influenza and the flu. There's always like a number behind it and that predates the year. So they probably have a preliminary one. And I'm pretty sure they, they were basing, I believe they were, I thought they were basing the COVID kind of like off the influenza vaccine remember that um they were working on that hold hold on a second i just want to add that i'm not a doctor okay uh, okay thank you l go ahead dre go ahead yeah yeah you know from um a lot of the articles that i read and um discussion that that i listened to and they were saying um remember they were already experimenting with this mrna technology Mm mm-hmm and it was already in the works. So when the COVID came ar- around, it was easier or quicker for them to develop a vaccine. And that's why they were pushing that technology. So it, it, it was already like, not the vaccine itself, but the technology was already there. Mm. So it speeded up the process. That's exactly right. Yeah, because the Center of Disease Control, they're about prevention most of the time. So they mm-hmm. try to they try to expect the, well, I forgot, it's the, uh, there's an infectious disease center. There's a specific group that actually um, identifies what's like, they try to identify what's going to be the next big, massive, you know, cataclysmic thing that could, you know, wipe out the human race. Mm-hmm. And so they're about prevention. 
So they that's why they, you know, try to test and check and out. These go back to what you just said. Go back to what mm-hmm. you just said. They try to predict the next um, big, yeah, the, the next big pandemic. Mm. Bill, um, I mean, everyone says people. I'm going to say Bill Gates is not a doctor, but <laughs> he actually said that. I mean, he even supports that particular group. Those um, because he was saying years ago that you know the thing that could wipe out the human race is a, a disease or a virus, right? Or or at least cull the herd. Hmm. All right, so. Based on everything that has been said, it's kind of confirming some thoughts of mine. But I'll, I'll leave that alone. Yeah. Um, you always want to be ahead of the game, right? You always want to be ahead of the eight ball. You all... yeah. <laughs> Teflon, why are you in the matrix? Why are you in the matrix, Teflon? Is it me or is it Teflon? Who is it, me or Teflon? No, it's Teflon, but why do you sound it's so upset Teflon. when it's Teflon? You know what? <laughs> because he's in the Matrix and I can't hear what he's saying. <laughs> Girl, bye. <laughs> Come on, Teflon. Go ahead. Say what you're saying. You are in the Matrix. I apologize. Rosola is being disruptive today. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just saying, just yeah, you don't want to get shadow banned. That's all I was going to say. Yeah. Definitely. So that's why I'm not going to say what I, I'm going to say. But um, <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. It is what it is, right? We just learned to roll with the punches. Anyway, who has $90,000 to spare for three years? $30,000 a year. Um, it's not too much, right? All expenses included that's baller if you have ninety thousand dollars you can cruise for three years straight with life at sea cruises in the ultimate getaway life at sea cruises is now offering a three-year voyage at sea this experience will take travelers worldwide beginning november 1st on the mv gemini it will kick off in istanbul guests in barcelona and miami will also be picked up the comfortably sized ship offers 400 cabins to welcome up to 1074 travelers over the three-year journey travelers will visit 375 ports in 135 countries such as mexico south korea and australia the gemini will spend two to three days docked at most destinations with 288 overnight stays one week will be spent in shanghai and singapore if the ship needs to be repaired at any point passengers will be placed in hotels at no cost to them those aboard the vessel can continue to work and stay connected with life back home through free wi-fi a business center will include two meeting rooms 14 office suites a business library conference equipment printers screens and virtually anything needed to conduct business on the water food will be prepared in the two primary dining areas a restaurant on the pool deck will also be readily available Sailors may remain in their cabin and order room service using the ship's app. Even more assuring, passengers will be able to invite family and friends on the ship for visits. Medical services will be available on the ship to address emergencies or pre-existing conditions, ensuring day-to-day health. Life at Sea Cruises, we're now accepting reservations. Pop out those checkbooks. 
folks. Let's go. <laughs> all 30K so, for subpar equipment, subpar Wi-Fi. Most of the time, you can't even get Wi-Fi out in the middle of the sea because the stuff isn't there. I mean, Google's still laying their lines inside the ocean. Like, this, this is such a scam. <laughs> No, but I tell you something. No, a couple of years ago. Oh, oh, Teflon, go ahead, man. Then I'll go. I think it was you, Teflon. I'll go after you, Teflon. Uh, somehow, just give me some prison, prison vibes, like prison on on, on sea. Exactly. So when you wait, wait, so, so when you when you dock and they give you the two days, that's like your little allowance. You know, you know when they give you leave. When they. Give, <laughs> they let you go home for a couple of days and then you come back on the street. I don't I don't know, I just don't like the sound. So basically you're paying ninety ninety K to be on to be in prison like on, on the water for three years. Well uh, here not... <laughs> here's the thing, no Teflon. There is all, a cruise it. hold on a second, L. There is a cruise line that is doing it already. People live on it, literally live. They have sold their condos and they i think they pay like 200 and something thousand dollars and you purchase a condo so to speak on the cruise ship and you go wherever you, it goes in the world i can't remember the cruise line but i remember watching um i think it was tra the travel channel uh, marlon you can correct me if, if i'm wrong but i remember seeing that and i was like hmm, that doesn't sound like a bad idea i get to travel anywhere in the world you get to come off at different ports and i don't have to worry about property taxes light bill water bill phone bill cable bill and all of that and some people seem to love it it's mostly retirees that have gone that route but they they the people they spoke with said they absolutely love it so i don't know what are you okay i was in the navy if you've never lived on a ship i mean yeah that's the luxury stuff it is not what it's cracked up to be when you're living <laughs> on a ship especially with cleanliness issues you never seen a backup in a toilet uh like all sorts of stuff happens on the ship and also too you could do this thing called remote year and it's far cheaper you can travel to a collective thing i think it's like under 10k mm-hmm you can go wherever and work and they guarantee like the best of wi-fi you can go to brazil you can travel all through south america asia wherever you want it's called remote year <laughs> okay all right thank you El. go ahead marlon no i was just saying you're right they do have that cruise ship you know you go wherever it goes you're right people live on it so yeah oh. you're right okay thank you so much all right next up woman accused not woman i'm sorry a woman has been accused of selling meth from an ice cream truck. I guess she was watching um, Friday and was like, hey, brilliant idea. Big perm rolls up, hey, smoke, hey, where's my money? Anyway, authorities in Louisiana pulled over an ice cream truck and found more than just frozen treats. Slidell police said detectives observed, observed a blue-colored ice cream truck with an expired license plate and no brake lights. When officers searched the truck, they discovered belted ice cream in the freezer, methamphetamine and other drug, methamphetamine, sorry, let me pronounce it correctly, or meth, 
um, and other drug paraphernalia. Tamisha Moore, in 42, was arrested for possession of narcotics, an outstanding warrant, and multiple traffic violations. This ice cream truck was of particular interest to detectives due to previously receiving information that the owner was allegedly using and selling meth from the truck. That's according to the police department. As always... I'm sorry, I'm trying not to laugh. But as always, keeping children safe is a main priority of the Slidell Police Department. Not only were more dangerous substances removed from the streets of Slidell, but this case also put an end to an operation that could have affected the health and safety of many children. Police said they don't believe any children were exposed to meth as the ice cream truck has been out of commission several months. Maureen was transported to the Slidell City Jail and her ice cream, ice cream truck, well, Tammy's ice cream and sweet treats was impounded. <laughs> I was just thinking salmonella melted ice cream. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. She, <laughs> she was probably smoking a joint or she absolutely what, what's that song? Hi? I didn't even stop to think. Oh my gosh, lady, you should have keep your tags up to date. Then you would not have drawn any attention. You know, come on now. Do better than that. Do better than that. But you know, in Vegas, I've seen at least since I've lived here last year, 15 cars at minimum. They just ride around with no plates. And these are super nice cars, no plates, raggedy car. Like, it's just a thing here in Las Vegas. <laughs> Like no registration, no nothing. Re expired registration. Like this is just a lawless place. Wow. No, they need to do better. All right. It's Women's History Month. So why do we celebrate Women's History Month? During Women's History Month, we celebrate the countless women who have fought tirelessly and courageously for equality, justice, and opportunity in our nation. We also reaffirm our commitment to advancing rights and opportunities for women and girls in the United States and around the world. So we're going to talk about six indispensable items invented by Women, courtesy of Barbados.LootNews.com. Women have created or improved near countless contraptions, tools, and procedures, from life-saving medical advancements to fashion innovations and even kitchen implements. But recognition of early female inventors was far from a given. Thanks to laws that governed women's legal rights to patenting, manufacturing and property ownership, it wasn't unusual for a male spouse or relative to be credited for a woman's work. Then, in 1809, Mary Dixon Keyes became the first woman to receive a patent in the United States for her weaving technique that paired straw and thread to produce trend-setting hats. Unfortunately, Keyes' original patent has been lost to history due to an 1836 fire that claimed thousands of documents in the nation's patent office. In the years since Keyes' historic milestone, however, women have followed suit to patent protect their interventions. According to a 2020 U.S. Patent Office report, more women are filing for patents than ever before. 
many of those technological breakthroughs like the ones explored that we're going to explore have become common conveniences that make our lives easier and safer. Here we go. First up, disposable coffee filters. That is the invention of Melita Vance. It is... um. It was revolutionary in the early 1900s. At the time, the other home brewing methods required a lot of time and cleanup, not to mention a tolerance for bitter coffee and sludgy grounds at the bottom of your mug. So we owe Melita Bentz. Yes, tell her thank you for disposable coffee filters. Next up, modern dental fillers. So getting a filling at the dentist's office is universally dreaded. But thanks in part to Dr. Sumita Mitra's work, the modern dental repair is longer lasting and less conspicuous than ever before. Mitra, who was born in India, credits her father's job at a woodworking factory with jump-starting her childhood interest in technology and science. As an adult, she emigrated to the U.S. where she received a Ph.D. in chemistry. While working for 3M, Mitra began exploring nanoparticles, ultra-fine microscopic particles, and their potential use in dentistry. Her research led to the development of Filtech, a stronger tooth-like composite filling that could withstand chewing and brushing better than previous dental filling materials while also being safer. Filtech was first marketed to dentists in 2002. So we owe this to Sumita Mitra. Next up, non-reflective glass. Catherine Burblodgett's uh, best known invention is one you can hardly see, yet rely on all the time. Non-reflective glass. Born in New York in 1898, Blodgett followed an unusual trajectory for a woman born at the turn of the 20th century. Her father, a prominent patent attorney, was murdered shortly before her birth, and Blodgett spent much of her childhood in France. She pursued an education in math and science, fields that women of the time were often dissuaded from, and completed a master's degree at the University of Chicago before becoming the first woman to earn a doctorate in physics from Cambridge University. Well, a little bit more. In 1918, Blodgett was recruited by General Electric's research lab, becoming the first woman scientist to work for the company. She specialized in monomolecular coatings, chemical compounds that adhere to surfaces while remaining incredibly thin. That research led her to create super thin glass coatings that prevented glare and reflection. Her improved glass was used by filmmakers to shoot films with minimal visual feedback and had a major impact on military actions during World War II. Engineers used the crystal clear glass on periscopes and airplane spy cameras to improve intelligence gathering. So let us give it up to Catherine Burr Blodgett for non-reflective glass. Coming in at number four, user-friendly diabetes testing. Chemistry wasn't initially Helen Free's passion. In fact, the woman who co-invented glucose testing, a tool that helps people with diabetes manage their blood sugar, previously planned to become an English and Latin teacher. But with fewer men in college classrooms, thanks to the World War II draft, women at some colleges were encouraged 
to pursue male-dominated majors. Free's interest in chemistry soon became her full-time field. After graduation, she worked as a quality control chemist monitoring vitamins. In the 1940s, Free met her husband, Albert, through her lab work, and the pair became married research partners and experts in urinalysis. Together, they created some of the first urine-based medical tests, including in 1956, Clinistics, which is an at-home test for people with diabetes to monitor excess sugar in their urine. So, yes, the diabetes, the diabetics, please thank uh, Helen Free and her husband for that one. Dishwashers, number five. We owe this to a woman. All right, now, Josephine Cochran patented the first mechanical dishwasher. Yes, of course, it's faster today than it was in 1886. As a frequent host of dinner parties at her Shelbyville, Illinois mansion, Cochran was concerned about maintaining her fine dishware's pristine condition. But as a busy so socialite, she didn't want to do the tedious work of scrubbing each piece herself to ensure it stayed that way. Instead, she relegated the tasks to servants whose work occasionally caused chips and cracks. Oh no, we can't have that. Cochrane solution, create a dishwashing unit that kept her costly tableware out of the slippery sink and instead stationary while being sprayed with jets of water. Cochrane is the daughter or was the daughter of an engineer and granddaughter of a steamboat inventor. And of course, number six, something that we depend on heavily, home security systems. If you've ever checked in on your home from vacation or caught a porch pirate making off with a recent delivery, please thank Marie Van Britten Brown. Yes, as a nurse in New York City in the 1960s, Brown worked irregular shifts that often had her coming home at odd hours while her husband, an electronic technician, was away. Concerned about crime in their neighborhood and a lack of help, from law enforcement, the Browns worked together to create the first home security system. Marie's design was extensive. It featured a motorized camera that could be repositioned among a set of peepholes, a TV screen for viewing outside in real time, one of the earliest examples of CCTV, and a two-way microphone for speaking to anyone outside her apartment. So, Ring didn't come up with it, folks. The security system also included a remote-controlled door lock and an alarm that could reach a security guard. One newspaper account of Brown's invention suggested the alarm could be used by doctors and businesses to prevent or stop robberies. Brown was awarded a patent for her thoroughly designed security system in 1966, but never pursued large-scale manufacturing for her product. Regardless, she still receives credit for her for her ingenuity with a significant number of security system manufacturers recognizing her device as the grandmother of their own security tools and i must add that um marie van britten brown is also a woman of color all right so congratulations to these women and thanks to these women that you know for making these inventions for us making it easier for us to survive. Okay. And on that note, I'm going to take a play a little more music, right? To take us out into the weekend as we continue to honor women 
in Women's History Month. Here is thank you. That was awesome, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, Elle. You are so welcome. Here are Brick and Lace with Love Is Wicked. Brick and Lace in the place. Love is wicked, wicked, wicked. I'm going to pin the link at the top in case anyone wants to share it with their family. And here is coffee. <laughs> the harder they fall. have to pay a lot of respect to those who came before us right honor them and do not let their memories die keep talking about them keep them alive I can't rock it no more And if you're ready If you really make me sore Like a bird in the streets I'm a shore And if you never know Say that more why you do Step aside Cause something must do you You either will or you won't You do what you do Better play me right In every note give a big thank you to everyone that logged on to qmzradio.com don't forget to keep it there don't go anywhere if you want quality music while you work or play to get you through your day stay on it www.qmzradio.com voice of savannah now look at you, wake, you give me my- 
can't tell me but life I'm in it Wait till me get the winnings Can't stop before my finish All of this will be a lesson I'm destined to be a lesson oh, Listen to my Here's a little Jada Kingdom, Twinkle, Mumma Heavy, whatever you call her. Gotta give a big thank you to everyone listening on JohnNoRadio.com. Don't forget to go ahead and download that Jano Radio app. J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio. Take us on the go. Gotta give a big thank you to everyone that joined me right here on Clubhouse. I am always thankful, appreciative, and I'll be forever grateful. Thank you to Virginia and Geely and Bridget and everyone else that was here earlier in the audience below. Thank you for adding your voice via the chat. To everyone on the stage with me, El Altada, Marlon Dre, DJ Teflon, Chief, and everyone else that was here earlier, I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for your voice. And of course, I gotta give a big thank you to my co-mods, Javette, Sonette, and Rose Solo. Javette could not be with us today. But thank you all for having my back. I'm gonna leave you with a coffee. Shine no matter what, folks. Shine right through. No, I see no hands up. Yeah, no red shirt. No, I see no anchor. Let's just stay alive, QMZ Radio and Jano Radio. Have a wonderful weekend. This is Moments with me signing out. Catch you here Monday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, and we do it all over again. Take care of yourselves.